0: Would you see the debate and the spectacle that we had on Wednesday evening of this past week with great coverage here with Vic and Tony and the gang. Uh Boy, what a spectacle it was. It was a as Gus Kyle is a Dan Kelly or Gus Kyle used to say, what a barn burner. It was a barn burner. If you're an old fashioned blues fan. And uh, I'm telling you, we have a lot to say it if only in America. Boy, that resonates with me. Our opening tune there. I'm Randy Tober. There's Leah Almstead. Hope you're uh, watching us on, not on Twitter, right? You won't let me on Twitter, Here right? Here we go. Are we on Twitter? No, <laughs> yes. you won't let me on Twitter. Twitter you won't let me on YouTube.
1: We're, we're on Twitter, Rumble, and Facebook. Oh, you won't let me on YouTube.
0: That's it, because yes. we get thrown off. We're on Twitter, Rumble, and Facebook. Hope that you're watching the program. Hope that you'll join us at 314-912-1019 for 1019-9412. News Talk STL. Well, well, well. Um, we are in a crisis of culture in America. We're in a crisis of integrity. We're in a crisis of authenticity. We're in we're in a crisis of principle. And um, somewhere, somehow, we need a, we need a Moses to lead us out of the wilderness. And it's not going to come from the top, but we need someone who I think exemplifies authenticity. And surprisingly i have a different take perhaps on uh on the debate outcome than you may have had but that's why we're here we talk it up and at least i'll be authentic leah will be authentic i know you'll be authentic why can't they be authentic we'll talk about that we've got lots else coming up charlotte hayes from independent women's forum who always uh gives us a good uh a good rousing analysis of things she'll talk at seven twenty-five about that debate so uh but before that, we'll have uh, Governor Mike Keel, Lieutenant Governor Mike Keel. I talked with him uh, this week and was able to uh, to bring that to you this morning. So I want you to hear that. Uh, I- Elon Srulevich will be with us to talk about the woke culture and the GOP candidates' different strategies for eliminating woke indoctrination. Virginia Kruda joins us as well. And Gabe Pfeiffer. That's what we need. Leah, we need we need a rocket scientist with integrity. Do you know where we can find one? I think we might have one. Yeah. At Newstalk STL. So Gabe will be with us at eight oh six, and then uh, Congresswoman Anne Marie Berkeley will be with us as well later on to uh, talk about uh, other matters so so important to us. Now, uh, talking about the debate, Leah, were you able to uh, to snuggle up with a nice you know? Big big gulp so that you didn't get distracted, and you know you had everything there. Two hours of solid intense debate watching. Were you able to do that?
1: I was. I don't know if snuggle okay. up was the right word, but I watched well, it. You have to
0: <laughs> got I mean, I got all cozied up like I was watching the Super Bowl. Uh, one dog on one side, uh, the bowl of popcorn on the other side. It was like a it was like a big event. And I decided, you know, I was gonna take it in and really focus on. it. So Helene and I watched it intensely., uh, but what was your what was your thought? where you know, how do you come down on the debate and its outcome?
1: um i I enjoyed it. This is like full disclosure. Um, watching politics is not my thing, but I mm-hmm. watched this, um and I actually enjoyed it. This was like the first debate I've ever watched, and I actually enjoyed ah. it. Um, so I mm-hmm. watched it with like an open mind. I mean, I know I knew all the candidates and I knew kind of the ones that were more popular than the others. But um, I will say I really mm-hmm. like Vivek Ramaswamy. I, I knew okay. of him and I I had a positive idea of him going into this. But after watching him, I was like, oh, I really like him and I support him. So
0: did you. Well, so I think when we look at candidates. And I'm not sure this is the way the majority of voters look at candidates, but when I look at a candidate, I, you know, there's two components. One is the presentation, you know, so one's the mm-hmm. the message, and the other is the messenger. And how does that come off in terms of both body language, facial language, um, the the articulation of what is said, just, you know, how well-spoken is the person, how effective are they, but then it's also the policy. Is that the way you look at it too, or is it more of a, just sort of a you know how they how they impact you uh you know like in a celebrity kind of a way
1: I think it's both I think Vivek spoke very well and is very intelligent um but I know he is kind of getting popular so I like him in that sense too so yeah
0: who what did you think I mean you know I think for a long time you know Leah how long is the the GOP base been talking about if there is anyone who can upset Donald Trump, and we'll talk about Donald later. <laughs> it would be Ron DeSantis. Why? Because look what he did in Florida. He was all about freedom when the rest of the country was getting locked down. He was the first to open up. You know, masks were thrown out quickly. Uh, children went back to school instead of vaccines. He put in monoclonal antibody. Uh, basically units, mobile units and others all across the state and really was a, hit it out of the park and uh, has taken the woke and the CRT out of the schools. I mean, he's done so much, but he hasn't been able to get traction. So, you know, what what was your thought about Ron DeSantis, the presumptive runner-up or the guy on the bench in case Donald Trump, for some reason, loses popularity and, you know, something happens?
1: Um, I had kind of a positive image of him going into this and um, personally I thought (laughs) I thought he seemed kind of like phony kind of Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. just some of the ways like some of his facial expressions and some of the his deliveries on certain things I'm like "Eh," it seems kind of forced it doesn't seem really sincere
0: so so would you agree with me he probably ought to just Tell his campaign consultants to go and fly a kite and, you know, find someone else to work for and just be authentic. Because if you saw him, if you saw him in the what what made so many of us excited about Ron DeSantis, and I was very excited about him early on, was his ability to like get the eyes of the media or anyone else who would get in his way when he was defending what he did with Disney or what he did with you know the, the schools or mm-hmm. anything else he was a he was a bulldog but yeah. I just it seems like he's contrived doesn't it yeah definitely yeah yeah, yeah. and 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 here's the thing though and I know th- there may be listeners Leah that get mad at me but I maybe they'll respect what I'm saying here I hope so in a way in a way I think that Mike Pence, and Nikki Haley, actually, in terms of some some qualities that I really like, in terms of they were ready. Nikki Haley is more of a neocon. She defended and did it very ably. She's been at the table at the United Nations. You know, she if you want to use labels, she talked about the importance of Ukraine. If we don't stop Putin, he has said he's going to continue to roll through Western Europe, and it's it's we need to do that. Mike Pence, on the other hand, said, you know, I I did what I did. I upheld the Constitution. He continues to wear his faith on his shoulder, which turns off a lot of, frankly, younger voters, I think. But I I admire the fact that they stood for what they believed. For that matter, Asa Hutchinson did. He's just not a good communicator. But I admire anyone who will stand for what they believe. At least I know where they are, and I can believe that that's what they believe. I I don't want a, a candidate who tells me what he or she thinks I want them to say. And that's what I really, I, I admired about Haley and, and 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 Pence. I thought Pence uh, overstayed his welcome. He kept talking over people and spent way too much time beyond the bell. Uh, what did you, okay, here's, I've been asking this of all my female friends. Oh. Uh, my wife first uh, brought my attention to it. But I've talked to a lot of my Republican uh, women friends and and just sort of middle of the rotors, too. What did you think, Leah, when when Nikki Haley brought up the Margaret Thatcher quote? If you want something said, call a man, ask a man. If you want something done, ask a woman. What did you think of that comment? (laughs)
1: Honestly, I didn't. It didn't like. I guess it didn't even register like I didn't think twice about it. I mean, it sounds like a good quote. I don't I've heard it before, but it didn't like resonate with me or anything. So, yeah. Well, Helene,
0: my wife said, you know, she doesn't need to pander to me. Nikki Haley doesn't need to pander to me. She doesn't make the gratuitous Hillary Clinton. I am woman. Watch me roar. I'm going to break the glass ceiling. I've got you know, I'm the only woman on the stage. We know that. And, and furthermore, we are not the, the party of identity politics. And I thought it was a strike against her. I really, I, you know, I, I, I like Nikki. Nikki Haley would make anyone on that stage, including Borgham from North Dakota and, and Hutchinson, anyone on that stage would make on their worst day uh, 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 10 times the president that, that Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, or hair boy Gavin Newsom would make on their best day. And that made me uh, excited. I thought it was really great. Now, about Ramaswamy, what did you think about early on? He was really unprovoked. No one had attacked him yet, Mm -hmm. at least that I remember, at least not in a a serious way. And early on, he made the comment about, well, all of the other eight people, uh, the other people here on the stage, I'm the only one who's not bought and paid for. Did you think that that sort of cheesy, cheap attack which is probably not true. I mean, every candidate, if you want to say it, if they're given any big donations or you say they're bought and paid for. I mean, is, is Ramaswamy going to if Trump, if, if, if DeSantis donors start voting to him, is he going to then say, uh, I'm sort of bought and paid for? I mean, you know, did you think that was a cheap shot? I did, even though I like Vivek.
1: Um, sure. I don't even remember him saying that. So, I mean, yeah. it might. It's. I guess it was just like a small comment that I overlooked.
0: Yeah. Well, he got a lot of booze, although he did at the end, I think, do some fantastic, uh, you know, he did talk about his 10 truths, which, you know, the you know, there is a God or God is real. There is a man. There are only men and women. Uh, the nuclear family is the greatest form of governance the planet has seen. There are only three branches of government, not four, meaning uh, the the state. Um so, I, and overall, I thought it was super good, and uh, I'm glad to see that uh, the GOP came out with a lot of principles. At the same time, Tucker and Twitter was an interesting take. Uh, with um, I, I, Trump was Trump. I, did you have a chance to see that? I did not. Yeah, Trump was Trump. There wasn't a whole lot new. Uh, he was a little more relaxed, I think, than he has been in in other settings. And it was a more it's a more intimate setting when you you know when you're interviewed by Tucker, clearly, um, but. The big bombshell of the week. I mean, all of the debate, hysteria, commentary, analysis went out the window when Trump was was arrested. That iconic, that 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 mugshot of Donald Trump (laughs) should be on the on the frontispiece of every history textbook uh, for, for decades. I mean, what, what what's your impression when you, because we are, we do get emotional when we look at pictures, right? If pictures communicate yeah. something, you have a feeling. What, what, do you, what do you see when you look at the Trump mugshot?
1: <laughs> Honestly, I see all the memes that people are making from it. I love it, uh, <laughs> but it's like, I was looking at Facebook yesterday and literally like, half of my facebook friends have changed their profiled picture to that mugshot and i'm seeing meme after meme. people are making memes of it i love it it's so funny
0: (laughs) i think i think if if i was the trump campaign and later the dnc i would probably it's the same it's the same billboard i would take billboards out across metropolitan Mm -hmm. areas especially into the suburbs uh, where you know where there's a lot of independent voters who vote one way this election, one way the next. I would have a side by side of that mugshot, with you know, pick one of a myriad of Joe Biden stumbling around or looking <laughs> around like where, which way did I go, which way did I go, side by side. And I don't know if you remember, but years ago there was a campaign on drinking milk, Leah, and and they took famous celebrities and they had a milk mustache. Oh, and I all do. Said I was, do
1: know that. Yeah.
0: Got milk? Mm-hmm. All you'd need to do is have a side by side of Trump the, Trump the resilient, Trump the strong, Trump the resistant, uh, and side by side with Joe Biden the incompetent, the bubbling, the bobbling, the bundling, the bungling, and just say, got strength. I think that's it. Case closed. Donald Trump's president. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, well we're gonna see we're gonna see what Lieutenant. There you go. A little analysis with uh, Leah the. Uh, the 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 new campaign analyst here on the Randy oh, Tobler no. show. You are now dubbed that. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh yeah. No. Oh yeah. We're going to turn you into a political animal. Yet you watch. All right. Okay. Uh, that's it for the first segment. Lots coming up on the Tobler show. You don't want to miss it. Uh, and remember, if you don't catch it all today, I get it. There's things to do. Uh, you know, on a Saturday morning, uh, take us with you. Listen to the uh, listen to us uh, on your phone. You know, on the app, the web. Uh, you know, obviously on the radio. But later on on the podcast, too. Leah will have that up uh, by noon. No, I'm kidding. It won't be up by noon. It'll be up, uh, what, Monday-ish? Sure. Right, Leah?
1: Sure. It'll, okay, no, yeah. actually, I will work on it today. Look at this. Just for you. Leah's going to get it. It's like, a special occasion. Yeah. All right,
0: coming up, Lieutenant Governor Mike Keough coming up in a conversation I had with him uh, just the other day. Maybe Lieutenant Governor Mike Kehoe can change global boiling if he's elected governor. That would probably uh, really, really uh, propel you to multiple terms. Lieutenant Governor Kehoe, welcome to the Tobler Show. Great to make virtual acquaintance with you.
2: Dr. Tobler, thank you for having me on. And by the way, if you get any politician on that claims that they can control the weather, I uh, <laughs> would put the red flags up right away. Well, I know
0: you've had a lot to do. I hear you on other programs here on the station. And I, I'm really glad we got we're able to finally get together here and schedules meshing. And, um, I, I, you know, I know you do a lot to promote agriculture and other businesses uh, and manufacturing throughout the state. What do you think of the crazy thing going on in Western Europe where they're the Netherlands? You know, they're, cutting, they're killing cattle so that they don't belch carbon emission methane. You know, I mean, it, how crazy is that? And would that ever, ever, ever come to a state in these United States named
2: Missouri? Well, listen, uh... You know, many of your listeners know my background. I'm you know, originally from North St. Louis City, where I didn't know a horse from a cow. But 39 years ago, I bought my first farm, and now I am a first-generation farmer. I raise cattle. I'm a cattle uh, operator. My wife and I have uh, been raising uh, mama cows and calves for almost 30, almost 40 years. And some of the things you see happening are insane with uh, what they're trying to, to point out. Uh, Missouri is an agrarian state. We are second in the United States with family-owned farms at over 95 uh, it's important to our families and our farm industry. We literally feed and clothe the world. So, uh, trying to anybody who has an assault or an idea on agriculture affecting an environment uh, that that to me borders on insanity.
0: Talking with Governor Mike Kehoe, uh, candidate for uh, uh, lieutenant governor. Mike Kehoe, candidate for governor uh, in the next uh, election season, which last night I think really started at least on the national level. Mike, the, the you know that's that's the official launch at least in far as the GOP side of the ledger goes and and federal policies and state policies do mesh you talked about family farms and second in number of family farms Missouri that's a fabulous number Um, but we constantly hear about the threat of China buying up land in the United States Uh, is there anything that you would uh, do or are planning uh, to do should you be elected governor to protect family farmland in Missouri
2: Sure. Well, I hope we can get something done before I'm elected governor to answer that question. Um, this last session and on this station, many times uh, we stated our position that if you're an enemy of the United States, you should not be owning land in the state of Missouri. But also, Randy, I don't want agriculture to bear this burden on their back. And, and, you know, my opinion, if you're an enemy of the United States, it's not just land, because some of the bills that got filed, you could buy the land and you wouldn't be able to farm it. But you could buy the land and build a factory audit. So if you're an enemy of the United States, not just for farmland, but for any operation here in our state, uh, that's something that I'm very uncomfortable with. And I think most are, Missourians are uncomfortable with. So several different uh, ideas floating around last year, some more coming around this year. We'll try to get some traction on that and uh, put it through the legislature. And uh, hopefully we can get this resolved uh, before the election of twenty-four.
0: Your uh, campaign literature uh, just uh, did a press release recently that, uh, in July, uh, you're doing quite well in fundraising. You have a baker's dozen, at least then, of uh, various uh, uh, various endorsements by, uh, you know, prominent organizations. Um, uh do, do, you, do you think that you'll feel as though you have a wide enough coalition, uh, you know, the, the, the town and the rural, you know, the city and the rural mix in terms of endorsements to, uh, to get the job done and push you over the goal line?
2: Yes we do you know endorsements don't win elections but certainly the members of those organizations the hard-working men and ladies who belong to those organizations are very important to us and um, we actually just announced our 15th endorsement at the State Fair with the Missouri Dairyman's Association uh, so we've been working through a lot of the ag groups a lot of business groups um, various police the statewide police the statewide firefighters hard-working men and women that are keeping our community safe have gotten behind us so uh, we will have a good mix Um, Missouri I say all the time is one state as I mentioned a few minutes ago I'm from inner city st. Louis and now I've lived in more rural Missouri for almost half my life Uh, and so some of the issues that we have whether you're rural or urban uh, I would say 9 out of 10 are probably similar there's usually one or two that are different so moving forward is one Missouri not just in support but when we govern um, should I and as I plan to win the governor's race we're gonna govern as one state as as well,
0: I, uh, I worked as a leader of a hospital through COVID, but I was on several calls with Governor Parson, who I think did an admirable job leading the state during the uh, that disaster on many levels. <laughs> it was more an administrative disaster in some cases than it was, uh, you know, a, a, a health care disaster, frankly, as we all now know in retrospect. Um, yes. And, and uh, but I think some folks are I've heard murmurs that have been critical of the governor for not being involved. Involved enough in pushing this legislature to do things that conservatives feel a conservative legislature should have been done, should have gotten done. Education choice. Why can they do it in Texas, Florida, Tennessee, Iowa? Why can't we do it in Missouri? Um, you know, other issues like that. But I think that may be the prominent one. Property taxes are another one. Uh, is there anything you would do differently? And I'm not asking you to criticize your, you know, your 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 uh, colleague there in leadership. But um, you know, what
2: would you? You do to push this legislature to get the job done. Well, it's about relationships, and certainly uh, Governor Parson. I think um, you know when he became governor in 2018. I'm not sure he would have said yes if somebody said you're going to have a tornado, a drought, a COVID, additional <laughs> items that yeah, came his way. Right. I think he did lead a steady hand to our state in a time when uh, there were a lot of uh, there were a lot of troubles in Absolutely. the waters. If you know what I mean. Absolutely. Uh, so, 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 Mike. Uh, governor Parson has had to deal with some of those issues, trying to figure out how to get those moving forward. I'm very much a relationship person. So as you know, a governor can't just declare, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. He needs the House and Senate in the relationships with the members in both of those chambers, he or she, I should say, to be able to bring a bill forward that he can sign. And so if you whether you talk about uh, property taxes, whether you talk about education reform, a bunch of these items that are hanging out there that we would like to get done, we've got to get that built to the governor's desk. And certainly what my plan would be is to build the relationships up front with House and Senate leadership with the rank and file, quite frankly, in the House and Senate to say, these are our priorities. How can you guys help us get this done for the citizens of the state of Missouri? And I believe uh, that's my strength. I'm a small business guy. I'm not a politician by trade. And my whole life, all of I've done is try to help businesses that were broken get put back together, save employees, create jobs, and build Futures for Missourians, and I believe I can use those skills to be able to do that from the governor's office.
0: I, I, I Do you, do you, um, feel? Do you sense the frustration and, frankly, in some cases, the anger among good faith rank and file, you know, grassroots citizens? Uh, I'm I'm one of them that's confused. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Cindy O'Loughlin was my former state senator when I was living up in uh, in the Memphis area, and uh, great person, great conservative, former member of the Conservative Caucus, now with Caleb Rowden. I think he's a fabulous guy, um, and great. And I, look, I know Bill Igle is a, is an opponent of yours, but I think Bill's got some great things to do. On property taxes and I mean I, I feel as though most Republicans are allied in one way or another with most Republicans uh, you know citizens are allied with most Republican legislatures do you have some kind of a diagnosis on on what's going on there and why they can't move things and get things together
2: well certainly number one there's no magic wand Cindy O'Laughlin is a great person first woman uh, majority leader of the Missouri Senate Fabulous. doing a good job yep. I'm a a big fan of Cindy's. But again, I have to get back to if you want to move an agenda, whether that's in business or government or politics or your own family home, you have to be able to build consensus to bring people together to move an issue forward. And if those skill sets aren't part of what you can do, Mm -hmm. then you're going to have a very hard time governing. We've seen plenty of governors in other states that hold these values that you mentioned near and dear to their heart that have not been able to move them because they haven't been able to. To bring people together to coalesce around an agenda uh, our agenda is going to be very clear and we are going to work very hard to get many of the items that you just mentioned done for Missourians
0: uh, okay well and I didn't want to beat that dead horse but boy the I, I, I have literally awakened in the middle of the night worrying that grassroots republicans are just going to primary everyone a lot of good people <laughs> and just say we're going to throw all the bums out and start over because they can't get it done and i'm just desperately hoping as an observer and a real advocate for true conservatism and and all those changes i think we all agree they need to get done i just hope i hope the good people uh, on on you know all sides of the that uh, caucus can get it done, and I realize that uh, Mike Kehoe or any of uh, your other, you know, uh, primary opponents can't. One person can't get it done. Uh, speaking of your opponents, um, what what are the three or four things that you would say are your differential advantages? Because you know, I mean, a lot of the folks running on the GOP side they've got some pretty bona fide uh, credentials in terms of conservatism. So, what separates you from the pack?
2: Well, the way I was raised, number one, I was born in North City, St. Louis, the youngest of six kids. My dad left when I was a year old. My mom raised six kids by herself. Our family qualified for every possible government program that was out there. But my mother was a very uh, strong-willed person and uh, stubborn, some would say, and used to say, we can work for what we need. We don't need those programs. And so we all worked together to help my mom make ends meet. In a very humble beginning household, I literally grew up uh, in the business of washing cars and learning the car business and had a lot of people who helped me over the years, Randy, who ultimately was able to acquire a manufacturing company that's still going and one of the largest emergency vehicle manufacturers in the United States today, obviously have owned a Ford dealership. I've been involved in an ethanol plant, and real estate development, and several different successful businesses and created jobs. And I think people want to know that that American dream is still alive. I have certainly lived it as many, many, many Missourians have. And I think that differentiates me in a perspective standpoint of understanding what's important in the inner cities from growing up there, what's important to rural Missouri, what keeps our economy going and make sure that we create opportunities for Missourians to be able to provide for their families. The same opportunities my mother end up getting that I end up getting. I think my background and where I've come from and where I've been blessed to get to makes me very different than the other choices that will be on the ballot.
0: Talking with Lieutenant Governor Mike Kehoe um, and websites mikekehoe.com dot um, Speaking of the city, uh, like so many formerly great American cities, people are afraid to go into St. Louis uh, in the nighttime. Uh, sometimes even after a ball game. Well, these days they're afraid to go during a ball game. They're so bad this year. That's another issue. Uh, any, what would the Governor Kehoe do about law and order in, let's say, St. Louis, Kansas City, and oh. By the way, Colombia. I mean, nothing to brag about with some of the rising violent crime in Colombia.
2: Well, think of St. Louis sports, Randy, since I know you're a fan. Our soccer team's doing very uh-huh. well. So yeah, Cardinals, that's the Cardinals are struggling, but City <laughs> Soccer is right. kicking tail. But to your point, crime is the number one issue of our four uh, pieces of the platform that we're going to be working on at, from day one. The second we get in there, we feel like we're the only candidate that's ready to govern from the first day that we put our hand on the Bible and funding and protecting and working with the men and women who have kept our communities safe, who have had, quite frankly, their backs turned on them by sometimes political leaders in different areas is the number one thing we have to do. This defund the police effort, this woke effort that somehow we can now run safety in our communities by having social workers go door to door or some of these other businesses Our ideas that are out there can't be done. I go and walk the streets in my old neighborhood, and the zip code is arguably one of the most unsafe zip codes in the United States, and that when you knock on the doors and you talk to those city residents, they want their community back. They want the police in the street. They want safety for their streets. They want grocery stores built back to where they can go to. So getting with the, the police departments and funding the police and making sure they have the resources to get our communities back Oh, stop coddling the criminals and start putting them away is the first thing we want to do. So I'm hearing that you might have a spine
0: to stand up against what is a small but very vocal of radical anti-police folks that somehow, with the aid of the media, have become the darlings of you know uh, you know decision makers in way too many places. And people won't stand up to them. Sounds like you would. <laughs>
2: You couldn't be more right. It is the vocal minority. And I'm telling you that the people who live in those communities, whether it's Columbia, Kansas City, Springfield, or St. Louis, they want what you and I want. They want the streets back. They want safety in their communities, like I said. And, yes, we are definitely going to stand up to the people who are the ones who are creating the ruckus but are the fewest in numbers. I heard you
0: were on the Central Missouri Honor Flight just a couple of days ago. Your thoughts about that?
2: well, I'm a big fan. That, you know, Missouri is in the top five or six of uh, veterans in our state, about 475,000 men and ladies who are heroes. Uh, that's my third Honor Flight as a Guardian, and all the Guardians will tell you and the organizers there, at Central Missouri our, uh, Honor Flight, the Poznell family who has been fantastic. It's not about us. It's not about the Guardians. It's not about the organizers. It's about, in this case, the 95 men and ladies that we took to D.C. Uh, for them to see their nation's uh, honoring, them with their various um, sites that we have that we go see for them to spend time with each other for them to heal. And I will tell you, Randy, that uh, as I said, this is my third flight and I've been to several welcome home ceremonies. There's nothing I can describe to you that when I walk through the Reagan airport with veterans or pushing them in the wheelchair and organically you hear people start screaming and hollering thank you and clapping and singing and appraising these people and especially to Vietnam veterans who never, ever experienced that, it's a very, very emotional trip, and it's a great way for those veterans to heal some who have had pains inside them for 50 years. Uh, I'm a big fan of that program, and I'm a big fan of making sure that those men and ladies Get the reception and the recognition and the help and services that they deserve.
0: Yeah, I know every year when we do the uh, the radiothon in support of them, it's just so uh, just so heartwarming. It's a real privilege to, to just sit across the the table here from these gentlemen and uh, many of whom now are integral in the operation. And it's just it's a it's amazing. Finally, well, and I know I only asked for a few minutes, but I, in, in the in the in the wake of the debate last night, I'm not asking you to pick a, a candidate, but your your general overall thoughts about the first GOP Republican debate because. After all, if you're elected governor, you may have to deal with one of the guys on the stage or maybe the guy with Tucker. But, you know, what what say you?
2: Well, I say the American people will win because uh, certainly what's happening in D.C. right now is just so poor. I mean, you talk about no leadership. Um, for one, I'm not sure the guy knows where he's at, but even if he did, um, the policies that are coming out of Washington, D.C. are horrible, not just for Missourians, but for the whole uh, country, and we've got to get that turned around. Inflation is out of control, mortgage rates going up like crazy, and turning our backs on the military, all of the things you're seeing that come out of D.C. are, are are product of the Biden administration. And certainly uh, Missourians and people across the country will have a good choice, I think good choices, and GOP nominees. You heard some of their positions last night. You saw how that worked. You had a, another um, person, as you mentioned, on Tucker, who uh, would have been, probably been entertaining to have him on the stage with those last night. But um, I think as this moves forward uh, in the next 300 and some days, you're going to uh, have a clear choice of how the direction of the country can go under GOP leadership versus what we've seen um, with this dysfunctional process in in the White House we have now.
0: I just hope all good conservatives keep keep the realization that any one of those people last night in their sleep could do better than either Joe Biden Kamala Harris or hair boy Gavin Newsom on their best day and that well, makes they might,
2: those, those people all
0: might be asleep <laughs> <laughs> but that makes you feel good you know it's like a manager that has uh, six outfielders and only three positions that's a good place to be in right I mean you've yeah, got a lot yeah. of great choices it's good
2: it's good you're, for the, you're right. A lot of different characteristics yep. and personalities. But, yes, a lot of very good choices. And to your point, um, the microphone probably would do a better job that you saw <laughs> on stage last night than, than what you're, we have right now. You're so, so
0: right. You're so right. Well, uh, Lieutenant Governor Mike Kehoe, thanks for giving me a little more time than I asked for. But uh, I hope we can get together again as the campaign season rolls on. And uh, stay in touch. You know how to get a hold of me.
2: I do, Randy. It's great to be on with you. I look forward to be on again, and I appreciate your time and your listener support.
0: All right, thanks. Lieutenant Governor Mike Kehoe. Uh, website's mikekehoe.com. So, interesting conversation with Mike Kehoe. Great stable of candidates for the gubernatorial race in Missouri. Mike Kehoe, um, Jay Ashcroft, of course, our Bill Igel from the uh, St. Charles area. So, uh, we'll be talking with the, all of them as the campaign rolls on. When we come back, your thoughts on the mugshot of the century, maybe, of this country's history. Well, I don't know how far mugshots go back. Did they do tin-type mugshots? I don't know. We'd have to ask the good folks at Silver Dollar City, maybe. I'm Randy Tobler. There's Leo said Let me What you think about the mugshot? We'll have some fun with that when we come back, as well as a little more debate talk, and then coming up uh, later on, Elon Shulovich about uh, the woke indoctrination of our kids and strategies for the candidates to look at to eliminate that. Um, Charlotte Hayes on the debate, Virginia Kruda. Tons coming up on the program. You want to stick around all morning? Coming back at you in a few minutes. Welcome back to the program, six forty nine. Coming at seven, we talk with Il- Ilan Srulevich, who's a, a documentary filmmaker. Um, and he'll be talking about the GOP candidate's strategies for eliminating woke indoctrination. That culture war, that existential threat to our American way, if we don't get our culture straight, everything else follows in all the wrong ways. So we have to get it right. And, um, Uh, A lot of folks are dismissing these as unnecessary discussions. But if you if you don't have people getting together in committed married relationships, having babies, uh, man and woman uh, having babies and, uh, you know, reproducing to replace our (laughs) in a replacement rate that is appropriate to the American society's needs for productivity and ingenuity. Nothing happened. Your culture is gone. Your country has gone. It, it begins with the simple precepts, man and woman. You get married, you have children, you have a family, the family, a bunch of families make a community. They have schools, they have fire departments, they have police departments, they govern locally and at the most by the state level. And then the federal government gets out of their way. What is it you people can't get up in Washington, D.C.? I know what it is. You're intoxicated with your power. Well, Donald Trump may be intoxicated with his power. Let's be honest. Anyone who makes it to the Oval Office or even tries, anyone that's in the state leadership, and they have a little bit of a power trip, right? Let's just be honest about it. Here's what Donald Trump said after his arrest at the Fulton County Jail on Thursday. Let's listen.
2: listen. It's a very sad day for America. This should never happen. If you challenge an election, you should be able to challenge an election. I thought the election was a rigged election, a stolen election. I should have every right to do that as you know you have many people that you've been watching over the years do the same thing whether it's hillary clinton or Stacey abrams or many others when you uh, have that great freedom to challenge you have to be able to otherwise you're going to have very dishonest elections what has taken place here is a travesty of justice we did nothing wrong i did nothing wrong and everybody knows that i've never had such support and that goes with the other ones, too. What they're doing is election interference. They're trying to interfere with an election. There's never been anything like it in our country before. This is their way of campaigning. And this is one instance, but you have three other instances. It's election interference. He's, he's right.
0: And these, especially in the light of the precedent set, when James Comey recommended and... Donald Trump's deep state DOJ did not pursue prosecution of Hillary Clinton when others in the well of the United States Congress, after his election, said he was the illegitimate president. The election was not fair. It was, it was a hoax brought on by Russia. In that context of a, a wider berth for political candidates and Elected officials to, frankly, get away with stuff that you and I may not. But that's the precedent that's been set. First, it was hush money gets uh, uh, indicted for in in New York. If we had a buzzer, Leah would hit it. Then it's Jack Smith going after the Mar-a-Lago incident. Well, where's the prosecution of Joe Biden? Uh, Where's the prosecution of Hillary Clinton? Uh, Another buzzer. Then it's the prosecution of the, you know, election election. Turning over the election and, it, you know, though that indictment. Well, we've had we've had plots for others to turn over election and there's nothing wrong with challenging an election, claiming it was rigged, claiming votes were stolen, claiming votes were manufactured. Whether it's true or not, there's nothing wrong with thinking, doing, talking about with your lawyers, by the way, that kind of stuff attorney client privilege has been thrown out that's out the window attorneys across this country if you're in the legal business you tell me if I'm wrong attorneys are, are, are flabbergasted they're're they're, they're shuddering what what's it's a brave new world you can't talk with your client and now you're going to get called and that, that washes that all away. And then this latest indictment, because you're talking about a slate of electors uh, while you, you know, an alternate slate while you determine and the research goes on and you challenge in the courts. That's what was going on, challenging the courts, the election interference. And uh, the the rigging and the potentially manipulating of the votes. There's nothing wrong with that. And now we're in a brave new world where in this country we prosecute our our opponents. Well, at least we're not downing their plane. At least Joe Biden hasn't plotted to down the plane of, uh, of you know, Trump Trump won like Putin did with prigozhin over there in Russia the other day. Mm-hmm. But who knows? Maybe maybe we're headed there. Maybe that'll be Biden's next step. I, I don't know. I, I don't put anything past Joe Biden's DOJ. Uh, they protect his son. They protect his family. They protect him. And uh, meanwhile, they go after what appear to be trivial and, and frankly, unconstitutional ways of looking at free speech and the way we deal with it if you're in high office and if you're the opponent. But we did get, I I asked Leah to go on a special mission as the producer of the show. Leah was able to get an exclusive, exclusive interview with uh, Donald Trump after, uh, after the mugshot and get his opinion on the mugshot. This is something you won't get on the networks. Listen.
3: Well, they took my mugshot. It's a big, beautiful mugshot. Look at it, I call it the Mona Lisa of mugshots. It's incredible, look at that. It's like my phone calls. It's a perfect mugshot, so perfect and so beautiful. You know, many people say that they have a good side and a bad side. I only have one side. It's called my great side. They got my great side with this mugshot. It's a beautiful picture of a very handsome guy with wonderful hair. Such a beautiful mugshot that Hunter Biden may want to paint a picture of it and sell it for a lot of money to Russia, 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 or China, or even Ukraine. You know about it. Such a perfect, beautiful, highly respected mugshot. The greatest mugshot in the history of the world
0: <laughs> and that was of course not donald trump but boy if you didn't know it you'd think it was that was sean farish who uh, there is uh, rich little the probably the greatest impersonator of all time could never I, I, I don't know that he could ever match that that is that is one of the best most authentic impersonations i've ever heard pretty good stuff huh Leah?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, that was yeah.
0: fun. <laughs> good work on that. Good, oh, good you. work on that reporting to catch Donald Trump talking about his mugshot. It's kind of compliments to you. Well thank done, you. well done. All right, hey, what uh, we're gonna? Ha- I think it's time to step aside, isn't it? And uh, listen to some news, Leah. It I is. So. Yeah, we'll do that, and then we'll come back, and uh, we'll talk with Elon Strulevich right after the top of the hour news. You're listening to 101.9, 94.1 News Talk STL. <laughs> Welcome back. It's seven oh five. Thanks for being here on a another sweltering, summery day. I think the weather's going to break though this weekend. We will be out of the uh, global boiling, as some of the climate fanatics like to now call it, weather, and uh, get back to some reasonable fall weather. Looking forward to this conversation with Elon Strulovich, who's the CEO and designer and founder for Egard Watch Company, also an American actor, who's uh, you've seen on The Walking Dead, and. Uh, is uh, here to talk about uh, some of the woke uh, discussion going on at the debates the other night. Elon, how you doing? Thanks for joining me again. I'm um, good, thanks. How are you doing? I'm well. I was, uh, I was disappointed that there wasn't as much focus on the debate on these important cultural issues. Um, yeah, it came up a little bit, but do you think there was a a a plan, a strategy on the part of uh, the moderators, the RNC, whatever, to sort of subordinate the cultural issues and elevate some others?
4: You know, I I have mixed feelings about what what the right approach is. There probably was a plan to stay away from it and try and stay on other topics. Um, And, uh, you know, there's a good and bad to to both approaches. Uh, So, you know, just the more I analyze kind of what's going on with the – the political uh, front right now, and the more I see what independents are looking for, which is what's going to win yeah. the election, uh, I kind of have mixed feelings.
0: All right, well, let's talk about that. I mean, I, but today, I mean, here in uh, Missouri, in local, well, state politics, uh, the, the the legislature passed a, a fairly rigid ban on any transgender, so called, uh, gender affirming treatment for minors um this past session it was challenged by the aclu and another group in behalf mm-hmm. of a couple of parents uh yesterday a judge struck struck down at least temporarily that request for a a hold on that law which now will go into effect on monday uh there's more you know legal wrangling to go on there texas on the other hand st- temporarily uh, overnight you know there was a judge who uh p- you know put a stay on a on a similar law in texas so it's in flux across the states, and it's quite a, quite a controversial issue. How do, you, how do you analyze the various GOP candidates on this issue, and what do you think is the way forward that might thread the needle? I think the way forward is a,
4: is a strong stance on it, especially on, uh, when it comes to transgender ideology taking a strong stance for the side of common sense. I think on a grassroots level, you're starting to see it happen anyway, so it'll resonate very strongly with people on the right. My main concern with over-fixating on it and over-focusing on it is, again, that I don't know from an independent standpoint if it's a key issue. And that's my only concern is if it becomes a key issue, how much attention will it draw away from things that independents might be looking for? Especially when it's it's becoming such a – I do feel, and I've always felt this way, that when it comes to trans ideology, it's always been a minority position that is pushed so strongly – that the average American doesn't agree with it. But when it's getting taken care of on a grassroots level, you know, when you look at the economy, when you look at, at our foreign policy, when you look at our border, I think that, you know, those are still going to be the primary issues that people want to see taken care of by candidates. I I think you're right. I mean, here
0: we are here. Here we are starting a school year, and I'm thinking that exactly, you know, off of what you said, probably the most effective way for parents who are concerned about their children being indoctrinated or or, or being, you know, nudged and validated and given permission to head in that direction, because it seems to be a social virus among our our youth. um, That's the way to get the best done most quickly, right? Just go to your local school board meeting and tell them you don't want any of that. You want to read and write and arithmetic. no.
4: Yeah, and I think the more people do that, the more politicians will not have to to scream it out, but be able to back us up in a functional way. It it is legitimately a form of mass psychosis, in my opinion, Uh, you know, or psychogenic epidemic, whatever technical term you want to you want to use for it. There's a lot of evidence to support that we are society that's stepping away from objective truth and and there's certain things that have to be in place for a psychogenic a psychogenic epidemic to actually take place i did a documentary on it it's super fascinating but what's going on with the basic denial of reality right now does fit the criteria uh again so it's society it is a societal obligation you as a parent have to help take care of the problem you cannot just sit back quietly you cannot put it entirely on our politicians and again putting it entirely on our politicians will cost this an election because it'll become a primary focal point. We'll step away from talking about a lot of other things that we need to talk about. Uh, and, you know, the the GOP in general is, is not great at, we, we function very much as individuals. We don't have a hive mind mentality like the left, and that works against us on a lot of these things. Uh, and so that's one issue where everyone on the right already agrees, and it already agrees that there should be swift action. So let's on a again grassroots level, go to your school board. If you're a parent, talk to your kid. Get involved in your community. I don't think that you need to self censor and silence yourself. That's exactly how we got here.
0: You talked about a documentary you did on us. How can folks access that if they'd like to take a look at it?
4: Uh, it's not yet released. We're in talks with some of the biggest, you know, right uh, right wing streamers oh, okay. uh, and, and media companies. But it, it, we did a bunch of social experiments to see if people would cause harm to other people. In California, based on their political beliefs, we created this fake reality TV show called Cancelled to see if they would actually cancel each other. Uh, and, you know, we had great interviews with people like Jordan Peterson, uh, Roseanne Barr, all about cancel culture, but on a deeper level about, about this kind of trend to censor people enough so that you can push extremist ideologies throughout society, even if only a minority of people truly believe it. Uh, and again, it's through complacency and fear. Uh, and that's exactly what you're seeing. And, and again, if we're tying it to the election, we don't play the same game as the left. I mean, and so to expect that we can win an election, playing a kind of straightforward, uh, you know, the, the ballot harvesting that takes place, all things that happened uh, have to be acknowledged and, and you either got to play by the same game as your opponent or you got to not let them play that game and force them to play your game. We're, we're not going to be able to get them to play our game, so we need to play their game. That's my honest you opinion know you're, about the election.
0: You're so right, Elon. If you look at what's happened with... The messaging, I mean, going back to, gosh, Obama time and, and even before, but I think about it really came focused on the DNC side, uh, the, you know, Democrat side. Uh, the, the media would, it's, uh, I, and I think it's true that every morning there's there's a call that goes out and everyone's on it and there's a few talking points and, you know, next thing you know, you're hearing it on CNN, on MSNBC, on all the legacy media from the Democrats and it's a unified parroting uh, it's it's frankly frightening I mean you were on the walking uh-huh. dead it's very zombie like but they're very effective right whereas Republicans being libertarian minded and independent you know the rugged individual you know motif that's that's valuable and it's virtuous but it's not as politically effective as that consensus unanimity unanimity of messaging and the Democrats are good at that aren't they
4: the Democrats will sacrifice their own ethical standard for their party. That is how far they yeah. will go. They will do whatever it takes to push the message forward. And when you're talking about parody, they literally did the same message word for word and they will repeat it a thousand times. It's incredibly effective from a subconscious standpoint because the average person is not so engaged in politics and in media to yeah. understand that this yeah. is happening. So what they hear every day is a repeated message and that is their truth. That is their reality. Uh, and, and, you know, I wish we had more educated voters. I wish we had voters who really cared more, but we don't. So you you have to be aware of that, that the majority of people who are voting are not sitting and spending two, three hours a day figuring out what the right move is, what the true story is, what what's the most ethical thing. They hear a story and they move on and they want and understandably so. They want to pay their bills. They want to live their lives. So if you know what people really want to do with their lives, which is have a better life, uh, that messaging has to become unified on the right that message has to be the winning message and not get caught up in these stupid kind of back and forths with the left because they'll win on that because again we are individuals it is our greatest strength and our greatest weakness it's a great strength when it actually comes to having an ethical standard like you said being Mm -hmm. virtuous but it is not a great strength when it comes to winning an election Um, and Mm -hmm. and I've noticed this trend of uh, sorry to rant but of people on the right where one thing goes wrong with their candidate And they're like, you know what, I'm not even going to support him. I'm not even going to vote. And it's like this immediate turn that we have where we no longer care about the election. We're just upset over the singular thing, the singular one issue with our candidate. And therefore, we're going to allow the Democrats to win to give it to our candidate. Whereas the left, their candidate, look at Joe Biden, he will still support the guy. They could come out with Hunter Biden's laptop. They could come out with proof that he uh, colluded with other countries. They could come out with anything they want. They will still support him. There is not that turn, that immediate uh, shift in support, um, and so that's just a trend I've noticed on the right, which I think works against us as well.
0: You know, as as you're talking there, it's 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 ironic, really. It's a cognitive dissonance that I think I, I I'm I'm picturing in my mind here. It's our very principled nature and individualized nature and sort of idealistic nature as as conservatives slash Republicans slash yeah libertarians in a way uh, that that makes us appear fickle. Right. If if Mm -hmm. I think you know, Vivek Ramaswamy, man, I love 10 truths. I love that. He says it all the time. Okay, I know where the guy stands. I may not agree with every one of them. I may agree, but at least you know where the guy stands. But if he says one thing that's off, up, oh, I'm gone. I'm gone. Because he said, he, you know, you ought to do uh, civics testing for those under 25, which I don't think is a bad idea, by the way. I'm picking it out as an example. Or uh, Donald Trump, uh, you know, yeah, I like him, but oh, he did this. I'm done. I'm done with him. You just don't hear that on the left. They look at it. They look at a Body of a man's work, our philosophy, and and they go for that. And that was more of a Reagan esque kind of a philosophy. Hey, if you can get most of what you want in this country, whether it's in a man or in a policy, uh, you're doing pretty good in a in a in a constitutional republic. That's that's lost on Republicans often.
5: It's sadly
4: very much lost on Republicans, and um, and I don't know when it happened. Uh, and I don't know why it's become so extreme, but the amount of infighting that happens with Republicans and even just on an individual level. And, and, and perhaps it's a, it's an issue of, uh, of, again, of an educated voter who starts really looking at everything they want and starts prioritizing mm-hmm. things and starts really getting involved in uh, in the people they're going to vote for. You, you can't, as crazy as this sounds, you can't have that much of an attachment to every single issue. You have to, again, like you said, decide on the body of work what's going to be best for this country. And don't bring emotions into it. You know, if in other words, if you believe America will be better off tomorrow with this person, regardless of whether it's going to be the best America or the America you truly, truly, truly want in this ideal world, you still go for that choice. You don't say, okay, well, then now I'm, I'm disengaging completely. I'm not supporting anyone. I'm tired of this person. I'm going to let, it just to show it to him. I'm going to let the left win. You, you know, <laughs> yeah. Who suffers at the end of the day for that? I don't understand that mentality, I, but I've repeatedly seen it, and I've had a lot of conversations, and every one of them lately is like that. It's like we're looking for someone to hate, not for someone to support.
0: Yeah, You're so right, and I, I you know, it's funny, though, that you're, Construct, which to me is a is a, uh, uh, a principled yet uh, embellished with pragmatic. And, and that, to me, is the secret sauce for success in the United States of America. We are not an autocracy. We are a constitutional republic. And mm-hmm. and you can't have it. The enemy of better is most often best, you know. And so that's why I, boy, I get. So you'll be called a moderate, though, Elon. So will I say, like, well, you're. Come on. What do you mean? I have very good friends, family members who I dearly love who say any any give on absolute abortion ban makes you a traitor to God mm-hmm. and the universe and and life. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. How's that working out for you here in Missouri? There will probably be an initiative petition to put in our Constitution a, 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 an authorization for abortion way beyond what could probably be passed as a reasonable First step to maybe an ultimate driven by culture ban on abortion. Instead, we're going to get the worst. We'll probably have it all the way up until like it'll be, look like New York. Look at what happened mm-hmm. in Ohio. And I keep saying how many if we, if we shoot for the best, we're going to probably lose more lives in total that if we, you know, settled for, let's say, a six week, an eight week, a 10 week, whatever, you know, whatever seems to be what the people will tolerate at this point. And boy, I get smacked down for that one, Elon. And I don't know how you feel about it. But that's one example of where a little bit of give and suddenly you're some kind of, uh, you know, left wing pro abortion guy. No, I'm not. But I want fewer abortions.
4: And I, and I, I want to see us move in the right direction. In other words, again, you have to play the same game as the left. Abortion is such an interesting, complicated uh, topic to win on in an election. You have to take a moderate position and you have to the language around it has to be extremely careful because you will even yes. lose. There's I, I, there's certain issues that I call like kind of fracture points. That's what I like to think about them. Where both parties have these. For example, on the left, the trans issue is a fracture point. It's a it's a the vaccine is a fracture point. For example, too, it's an issue mm-hmm. that they can lose their own party members on. They can lose voters yes. on these issues. For us, abortion is that issue. We saw it. We saw it happen when the Supreme Court uh, got rid of uh, Roe v. Wade. Now, whether I agree with that or not is irrelevant. I knew it would cost us a lot of votes. And uh, so it's a very, very, very tricky thing. Uh, And where do you want to play that line? So that you can actually improve the country slowly over time and head in the right direction and actually get votes without just banning abortion overall and then losing independence and losing even people in your own party. Um, And the left is, is waiting. The left is waiting to take advantage of those message, that's another area where I feel like again the right versus left. The left, unified, will take advantage of a fracture point and will push it, distort it, and make it the worst thing in the world altogether. At the same time, and destroy you with it. And they've done that repeatedly yeah. on every issue. Uh, they have an entire media machine behind them. Uh, so, don't if you know someone is a bully waiting, just waiting in the playground to take whatever word you say and use it against you. Don't give them ammo. That's how I see it. And and again, you're right, people will disagree with me on this. They'll say, oh, you're not standing up for your highest ethical virtue. You know, you're you're willing to compromise. Um, And it's not a matter of compromise, again. It's a matter of if I go the way I want, I get nothing. If I go this way, you know, we at least move forward and we head in the right direction. Um, So it's like there's a time and a place...
0: Yeah. I know uh, in our in our medical practice where we spend a lot of time with patients and it's a it's a different model. We, we spend time counseling and talking to them about lifestyle. We don't take someone that's 30, 40 pounds overweight and, you know, drinking too much soda at the soda fountain and eating too much fried chicken and, you know, cheeseburgers and say, hey, tomorrow, stop it all or else I'm not going to deal with you. No, you say hey, mm-hmm. can you cut out a, a couple big gulps and maybe, you know, a couple pieces of fr- let's start to make some incremental change. Like Jordan Peterson likes to say, are you better yes. don't compare yourself to the best. Compare yourself to how you were yesterday. Can you move the ball down the field? Hey, Elon, I love these conversations. And boy, there's not a better time for you to come out with a documentary that speaks to those traditional American values like free speech. So I can't wait to see this. Let us know when the documentary comes out. I'm really, uh, really excited about it.
4: I will. Absolutely. It's, it's fantastic. I wish we had a little bit more time. There's more stuff I want to talk about, but uh, I did, sure too. We'll but let's
0: to, uh, do it again. Let's let's get you. Uh, we'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks. I've got uh, got another guest coming on here, but I really would like to continue. I think these are rich discussions and hopefully they will be coalescing discussions for what could be a fractured GOP. And that's the worst thing ever. Elon Srulovich, mm-hmm. thank you so very much. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, there he is. Uh, interesting conversation. You may agree, you may disagree, but um, something to ponder. That's what we do, is ponder on Saturday mornings. We'll ponder a little bit about the debates with Charlotte Hayes from Independent Women's Forum. Always a fun talk right after this on 1019 941 News Talk STL, The Randy Tolber Show. <laughs> always fun when we get the opportunity to talk to Charlotte Hayes, Director of Culture Programs and Senior Editor with one of my favorite groups in the whole wide world, the Independent Women's Forum. She's also an author and has been been published several times in national newspapers and also the best-selling Being Dead is No Excuse, the official Southern Ladies Guide to Hosting the Perfect Funeral. An upbeat topic, Charlotte. <laughs> How are you doing well, today? everybody's going to do it. <laughs> hey, I wanted to talk with you about a bunch of stuff. we got a lot of catching up to do. Um, the debate. What is your overall... Just reaction. Now that it's had a little time to sort of marinate and a day in the refrigerator after it's prepared and sometimes like a good chili, it gets better over time. So what's your reaction to the debate the other night, the GOP
6: debate? My reaction is, what a great debate. Thanks largely to the man who stayed away. Whatever you think about Donald Trump, it was good that the other candidates had this. uh, I agree with the New York Post headline, the right stuff. Um, I think DeSantis won. uh, There there have been polls that say that he won and Ramaswamy came in second. Uh, We just don't know uh, the, the... Kimberly Strassel at the New York Post gave it to gave the winning uh, to, uh, made it uh, Nikki Haley yeah. and, uh, and 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 uh, uh, Mike Pence. I thought Pence did a terrible job and came across as nasty. Yeah, uh, but that's that's her position. I mean, I, I just didn't understand why why he did such nasty things like to sing to Ramaswamy, "I'll go slow this time." I, I thought that that was a bad Mike Pence, but. I do think DeSantis did well. I think he helped himself. Uh, Vivek is 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 uh, is is, is uh, I I don't know if he helped himself a lot. I think he turned a lot of people off. My favorite thing about written about Vivek was that uh, Lance Morrow said he flashed his teeth just like Errol Errol Flynn and Captain Blood. <laughs>
0: yeah, I think I agree with you. I was um, I I I there are things there are a lot of things I really like about Vivek Ramaswamy. I love like his, I I love his 10 truths, you know, but I think um, he came out, what do you think about his initial statement where he came out and well it wasn't initial, but it was early on he sort of unprovoked, went after everyone on the stage by calling them, you know, what, bought and paid for I I, thought
6: that that was absolutely outrageous, it made me furious first of all, not everybody on that stage is bought and paid for, do you think that uh, 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 Tim Scott is? bought and paid for. I don't think any of them are bought and paid for. I think that's an insult. I think it's terrible. Oh, and guess what? They're bought and paid for, and he's a self-described patriot. I thought that was infuriating. I thought it was nasty. I I, I thought it spoke ill of him that he would do
2: that.
0: And I think you're right about Pence. I actually, (laughs) even though I don't think his, I, I agree with his faith and you know anti-abortion and all his basic uh, traditional values you know foundations and he stands by those i think uh, if you wear those on your shoulder in this political environment all the time every sentence or every paragraph i I just while i i admire that position personally i don't know whether it's an electable position but my beef with him is he took too much time he overstayed his welcome on too many occasions what what do you think
6: well i I, th- I think he did uh, the right thing on January the 6th. And I'm going to commit a little bit of heresy now. Who wouldn't have done the right thing on January the 6th? I'm not a very heroic person, but I think I would have done it. I would have said, gee whiz, I don't have the right to do this. And I think uh, having Donald Trump uh, try to pressure you is is at that point in the, the game uh, not not really that, you know, he's an outgoing president. He's, he's, uh, he's behaving erratically. I, I, I think it was courageous, but not as courageous as it cra- it's cracked up to be. Okay, everybody don't get mad at me. <laughs> yeah, I just
0: think that he, like
6: I said, he uh, he
0: started talking over people at, at, as the thing went on. Yeah, and he butted in to, than-
6: too many times. Yeah. And, and uh, if you're going to butt in... I mean, I have to say, I I thought that even though he was very annoying, I thought that Chris Christie, Mr. Mean, was sometimes quite funny. He was. He was. I did enjoy the one DeSantis moment that hasn't
0: gotten a lot of play, but... It's where he, he basically, they it was the first time that they were asked to raise their hands. I think it was on global warming or something. I don't know. And he was like, wait a minute. What do you think we are here? We're not school children. Of, well, we're not that was a brilliant uh, thing to call out. It was it was sort of a mini, you know, hey, look at the media. It was a mini Trump, you know, going
6: after the
2: media. I thought it was pretty
6: good. Well, I thought, I thought DeSantis was very good. Uh, I think there are a lot of people who wanted him. I have a friend who says nobody on that stage was as charismatic as Trump. I don't really need that at this point, uh, and I don't think think that he was charismatic. But I think he did some really good things. I thought when he talked about the pandemic and the difference between the way he handled it and the pre- former president handled it was great. When he said he would call Fauci and and say, Anthony, you're fired, I thought that was great. And I think it's 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 sensible of him not to uh, not to take terribly controversial uh, stance on, on Donald po- Donald. Pope Donald Trump right now, I thought DeSantis did very, very uh, well. And he he raised, I think, a million dollars the day after, as did Ramaswamy.
0: Yeah, yeah. Ramaswamy certainly made a name for himself and made people aware. Okay, I've got to ask you, I have asked several of my favorite women friends, people who identify as women. I'm, that was a tongue-in-cheek, Charlotte. Uh, and I've asked, Are you sure of that, Of uh, me? <laughs> I've asked them, from my wife, who actually got me started on this quest for sort of my informal polling of my, of my women friends. What did they think of this comment by Nikki Haley? Playing? To
3: say is the fact that I think this is exactly why Margaret Thatcher said, if you want something said, ask a man. If you want something done, ask a woman.
0: All right.
6: Your reaction,
0: Charlotte Hayes.
6: Uh, I thought it was terrible I thought it was dumb uh, and in fact the, the Federalist had a piece on her which said that uh, she's emphasizing being a woman so much that she's Hillary 2.0 now I think she did well enough uh, Wednesday night so that she she got past Hillary 2.0 but no I mean you know if I could say upchuck on the air I'd say upchuck <laughs> I thought it was
0: terrible it seemed gratuitous to me and I was interested my wife I said what do you think of that she says I thought we were Past the identity. We were the party of no identity politics. What is she doing? Are,
6: yeah. I mean, Margaret Thatcher, I, I, she's my heroine and all that, yeah, but yeah. That a long time ago. We don't need to do that. I, I, I mean, it, it just I, I, I think if she's going to run as uh, a woman of color, she, she's just insane. She's got achievements
0: run on those. Yeah, I just think that, you know, this uh, I am woman, hear me roar, uh, that was like Helen Reddy way back in the 80s, some or yeah, it's,
6: just, it's obsolete. It's yeah. obsolete. It's out of touch. Yeah. You know what? Republicans don't really give a hoot.
0: No. Well, although I have had several very, very, very staunch and I mean, they're very active in the Republican Party. one of whom was on air with me the other day, thought it was pretty cool because, yeah, it's just celebrating when she was the only woman on the stage. So I respect that. I just think in the big, big picture, especially and here I go, I'm going to play the victim, Charlotte, excuse me. But especially as us old white guys are just feeling like we're just sort of the laggards of society anymore. It's like (laughs) we don't have our own group that's getting championed by anyone. Uh, you know, it's 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 like, oh man! You know, can do we get can we have a voice
6: here? You know, it's time for us to get a voice. So anyway, I thought no, I thought it was just out of yeah, touch, yeah. Uh, obsolete, uh, pandering, cloying. I mean, I think I think that's one of the reasons I haven't been as high on her as, yeah. as I was a few years ago because the girl thing gets to me. Yeah. So. But, you
0: know, overall, I wonder if you share the same sentiment that I, I i hope any persuadable middle-of-the-road Americans had just coming away from the debate. And that is, any one of those candidates on their worst day is better than Joe Biden or Kamala Harris or hair boy Gavin Newsom on their very best day. What do
6: you think? Um, I think that's true. Uh, except, I, I, I must say, uh, Asa Hutchinson... Maybe the uh, okay, to you that. got me there. <laughs> yeah, uh, he, he's not I Mr. Think, Excitement. I, I mean, what is Bergum? Uh, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I'm sure Burgum said some good things, but. I I just you know it's I think it's a lot of gall to run when you when yes. you pretty much know you're not going to win and take up space. I do think the RNC. I, I, I it's I don't give the RNC credit a lot uh, because it doesn't deserve it. Uh, <laughs> But I think that they did a very good job, and Kimberly Strassel pointed this out, of setting up a qualification to get on the stage that we didn't have uh, too many people on the stage, and it was people who could at least get 1%. Yeah, well, that's right. No, and I think it was a, it was, I think it was like a, it's
0: just sort of a nice mix. Talking with Charlotte Hayes, Director of Cultural Programs and Senior Editor at Independent Women's Forum. I have to ask you about what is, I think, an increasingly intense debate on the conservative side of the spectrum. And I, you know, for all intents and purposes, I think that generally means Republican registered folks. And that is how how does the Republican Party try to re uh, re navigate what they didn't do too well in the midterms when it comes to the abortion issue and the boomerang effect that it had to turn what. Could have been a wave, at least according to many analysts, into a into a a little ripple, if that, Uh, because that's, you know, is that some is is it time to be pragmatic and stand down on the absolutism or is it time to flex the muscles and take whatever happens politically? That's the argument on the table.
6: Well, I'm uncomfortable even addressing this. I'm Catholic. Uh, I, I believe life is sacred from natural conception to natural death. Uh, the Republicans could stake out a position, however, that's in harmony with, I think, 70% of the country, yeah. which yeah. is a 15 uh yeah. 15 month 15 week limit and I don't think anybody if they actually know the Democrat uh, point of view believes in a, abortion up until the moment uh, uh, right. that the baby comes into this world by birth I mean I, Jen Psaki said oh no one believes that we don't believe that no they do and the, the, the Republicans should dig up clips of them saying this I know somebody who is mildly pro-life and she heard Virginia Governor Northam yeah. Describing what you do to a child who's born alive during abortion, he said, "You make it comfortable, and then you sort of talk about what you're going to do." And this person is now ardently pro-life. Yeah, yeah. And again,
0: I I know IWF doesn't take a position on no, this.
6: No, IWF doesn't right. take a position, and, but I, I I just feel like I have to right. say my bona fide. No,
0: and I and and I ask you just because it is a political question, and you know, I always am thinking, wow, are we are we going to potentially win a a, a a battle but lose the war if you? end up having many states that pass constitutional amendments that you can, you know, abort a baby all the way up until and
6: maybe the day after birth. Well, I just- The the Republicans have got to make it clear what the Democrats mean and that that they are the ones who are really extreme on this issue. I mean, and they do believe in abortion up until the time of birth. And if you can't make the, they they evade that. I mean, the whole thing is evasion. Pro-choice is evasion. It's pro-abortion, not pro-choice. I'm glad
0: you say that because too often, I think, and, you know, you being such a great wordsmith, I think we concede the semantics at the beginning of an argument way too soon. Like, why do we say gender-affirming care when we're trying to fight against it? Why
6: do we say gender-affirming care when it's uh, surgery to switch sex? It's the kind of thing that people uh, in the 70s and 80s went to Europe to have done, and it's mutilation. Why don't we just say it?
0: Absolutely, and I think that that will, I think, be a, a major... These cultural issues are not trivial, because when you lose your culture, I think you lose, your, you lose your identity as a country, and you lose any kind of a, of a rational north on your compass. Uh,
6: well, we uh, are going to have a country to fight for if we don't fight the social issues.
0: Yeah. I'm glad to hear you say it, because I don't think it's time to discard them.
6: I don't think it's time. Oh, to- gosh, I don't need to. I do think that uh, for the political campaign, there, there should be a lot of emphasis on economics, because that's the beginning of freedom, and that's the beginning of, of, of a vibrant country coming back.
0: Absolutely. Charlotte Hayes, you are beautiful and we are thanking you Thank so you much so for being much for having me. Really appreciate it. Hope to talk to you soon. Bye bye. All right. Bye bye. There she is. Charlotte Hayes. All right. It's always fun to talk to Charlotte and I think she uh, she has a, a a bit of wisdom that uh, the RNC and uh, Ronda McDaniel should uh, should listen to. Hey, when we come back, can't wait to talk to Virginia Cruda, get her thoughts on the debate on the Trump arrest on um, Carlos Santana. She wrote about that in the Daily Wire. Uh, astounding. Went viral. Amazing. Revolutionary thoughts from Carlos. We'll talk with Virginia Cruda about that and so many other issues when we come back on the Randy Tobler Show. News Talk STL 1019
7: A purpose in this. You are his child. And don't you forget.
0: He put that hug. why are we playing a Santana song? What's what's this all about? Well, that's because this week, Carlos Santana spoke his mind, apologized, then withdrew it. I know Virginia Cruda, who's my guest now, and our regular time together every Saturday. And Virginia, welcome to the program. You wrote about the Santana episode. That uh, that blew up. How dare he talk about a universal truth? <laughs> i
3: know i know and it's it seems like it's part of the typical pattern now the uh i say what i think i get caught saying what i think somebody i don't say it me personally i'm just using the example but because if i said what i think i'm not gonna apologize for it but <laughs> that's kind of the Andrew Breitbart apologize for what like yeah but no. Um yeah, Santana. Um and initially he didn't apologize. He kind of walked it back. It wasn't like I'm sorry I said it. It was I'm sorry you feel bad that I said it. And right. you know, I, I I'm sorry you're offended, but that's on you because I said what I said. Was the first kind of iteration and apparently he has done more to walk that back since.
0: So I that, just think that's a mistake it's sad don't you think that people are what, being forced what? Yeah, yeah yeah is it is that, it for money are they worried about money or are they worried about um their fame or, or both I don't, <laughs> I don't know i don't, I don't know because realistically whats Carlos santana got to worry about he's not going to
3: become less of a yeah. legend because he said something that people didn't like you know he's not he's not going to i mean he's pretty much made his money and he can, he doesn't have to work another day in his life, you know. This is a guy who, he's not performing because he's got to, you know, given, and
0: given I, where and he guess is we, in his we, career. For those who are, uh, who aren't familiar with what he said, it was at a concert in New Jersey. And during the concert, yep. Santana said simply, quote, When God made you and me before we came out of the womb, you know who you are and what yeah. you are. A woman is a woman and a man is a man. And you'd have thought yeah. he was like a, the the devil incarnate if you listened to the, his critics about this comment. It was unbelievable,
3: right? So it it is unfortunate that again that I I think the the fact that we are so willing to force people to apologize it's it's unfortunate and it's it's really it's performative. All of it is because realistically, if you're you're apologizing because somebody forced you to do it, are you really sorry?
0: Yeah, you're right. Like that, yeah, good question.
3: And, you know, if you, to, to me, if, if it's a slip of the tongue and you said it by accident, then chances are you've already apologized for it.
0: Yeah. You know, it's yeah, not. You're right. And Yeah, me, you're aware of it. You're self-aware you and you've made you the comment. Yeah, and you said, oh, goofed. You don't
3: yeah. stop yeah. your set one song in. And address your mm-hmm. crowd with something you don't mean. Unless you're <laughs> drunk, and I don't think he was.
0: Yeah. Well, who knows? So Maybe he just came from the dispensary. I'm not sure. Hey, on another yeah. note, I've mm-hmm. been asking people about a couple of things, especially my very good female friends. <laughs> I, I uh, Two questions. First is... We'll start with the Trump mugshot, and that's not a female friend uh, poll that's specific. I've been asking all my friends about this, but then I'm going to ask you about Nikki Haley's Margaret Thatcher comment next. Okay, so what is your first impression that you had Virginia Cruda, wise writer at the Daily Wire and commentator here at News Talk STL? What is your first thought when you saw that iconic mugshot of Donald Trump from the Fulton County Jail?
3: Uh, that the Fulton County officials were stupid to let him do it. And Why? They, you know, I realize they made him do it, but they shouldn't have allowed him to do it. They should have known that he would capitalize on this. They should yeah. have known that he would know exactly how to market his own mugshot.
0: This is It looks like he I was made up.
3: It this is something that Doesn't I've said since since he entered the race practically that I I wrote a piece and this was back when I was uh, writing for Dana Lash's website. Okay. So this goes way back. Um, And I wrote a piece about Donald Trump and why the media was handling him in exactly the wrong way. And I think that that goes for everybody. There's something about Donald Trump that the average person, whether they're in media or, In politics or apparently in the Fulton County uh, judicial system, they just don't understand how he functions. This is a guy who eats his own bad press for breakfast and then gleefully goes out to create more.
0: Yeah, yeah. I've never seen anything like it.
3: Well, and and you look at look at the people look at the people who were forced to apologize. Look at, for example, Todd Akin. You know, I I know he's a friend of a lot of people at the station. I've known him since I well, he passed away last year, but I I knew him since I was twelve years old. I went to church with him and his family. I've known that, but he made one mistake on television, and because he didn't own it in the way that he should have he got a cut rate book deal and he got escorted out of office
0: yeah i mean it 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 utterly destroyed him you're right and and i i don't know a more decent good man that ever lived todd Dakin's a great a, a good a great american yeah
3: i and and i you know i i knew him long before i knew he was in politics obviously but it, you know it it's just <sighs> I told, I told people at the very beginning, you know, it is big, for, for those who don't know, the question that, that destroyed Todd Akin's career was something about abortion and what, if, what about the cases of rape and what about, what about the cases of incest and shouldn't, shouldn't it be allowed then? And he said something like, um, I'm no doctor, but uh, as I understand it, the female body has ways to shut that down. What he meant was in the the case of legitimate
0: abortion, but he used the the word legitimate.
3: Legitimate now, legitimate rape. Yeah,
0: legitimate rape. Yeah,
3: Yeah. now. Now, speaking as somebody who worked in the medical field, um, I understand exactly what he meant. He did not mean legitimate rape as well. It was it was an actual rape as as opposed to um, like a date rape or something that's not as bad. He didn't mean that. Legitimate refers to the claim, not the actual action. So when he's saying, right? Because now, and when I I I mentioned the medical field, because I they used to call me in to listen to, um, when when uh, you had a a woman come into the ER and say that she'd been assaulted, they had to have a Mm. female witness, and so I was working across the hall in X-ray, and they'd call me every once in a while to listen to these, and. Of, I think, 19 that I heard over the course of five years working in a military hospital, 15 of them turned out to be false claims where it was the girl uh, didn't want to tell her mom that she was sexually active or she was trying Mm -hmm. to get her boyfriend in trouble because she was mad at him or take your pick. There were all these, but they were illegitimate claims. And those would be what was considered illegitimate rape, right? They're not saying right. it's not legitimate if you know the person. It's not legitimate if the claim is false. So, but what he's saying is, um, and and you know this as a doctor, uh, one of one of the barriers to getting pregnant is stress. That's why you see so many so many women who are struggling with fertility. The minute they decide, okay, we're going to adopt or we're going to do this, and we're just not going to try anymore. Then all of a sudden they get pregnant. You've seen this before, have you not?
0: Yeah, well, there's the, yeah the, the academics who have pointy ears and are spocky and try to say that you, it, it's not an influence, but they're wrong. It's just it's wrong. Right. Well, I mean anyone who's not, practiced It's not in, an yeah, impossibility
3: to get pregnant by. Right no, and you, you no they just you, know you can't.
0: It's the kind of thing you but can't study. You can't quantify stress. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. Exactly. So they can't prove it, but they can't disprove it. Exactly. And those of us who have been in the business long enough know it's it's very, it's a huge impact. But yeah, and we and only the have reality about a minute left.
3: is that when he was asked the question, he should have simply said, "I am one hundred percent pro life." Next question, and when they asked him yep. again, he should have said, "I am one hundred percent pro life." Did you not hear me the first time? And he yep. he wasn't. We have too many Republicans who want to appease the question asker instead of answering the question truthfully. And I think that that hurt him. But then you see Donald Trump, who has absolutely no fear of answering the question exactly how he wants to answer it. And I think that that helps him. And that's why he knows how to market a mugshot. He knows how to market an indictment. He knows how to take these things and turn them on their heads and that's why he's winning right now in the primary even though there are still a lot of people who don't like him.
0: Yeah, you're right. Uh in the minute we have left, uh, she's going to uh, Leah's going to give me an extra minute here. Um Margaret Thatcher comment. If you uh, uh, yes. Nikki Haley took the opportunity to say if you want uh, something said, uh, ask a guy. If you want something done, ask a woman. What's your thought, Virginia?
3: Well, just don't ask Kamala Harris. Father, um <laughs> like, I, I, I don't know that I necessarily agree with that I, I mean it's a good line but it is it is sometimes I, I, I don't I don't like it because I, I don't like drawing the gender line or the sex line in things like this I think that right. there are men All who right. are capable of leading and women who are capable of leading but well, again whether or not laughed, it's true I mean fun. I have
0: I happen, to think it, I happen to think it's true. I mean, you know, I, women get a lot of things done. They can multitask. That's great. I think it was gratuitous. I think it was pandering. And I thought we were the party. The GOP was the party of no identity politics. And she was playing that card. Hey, we got to run. Yep. We'll talk about it more. I know you'll be writing about this as the campaign season is now in full-fledged swing. Thanks so much, Virginia. Appreciate it. Yep. Gabe Pfeiffer coming up in a few. Don't miss it. I love the stuff that you're That's playing. It's so good. Oh, thank you. I bet, bet Gabe Pfeiffer likes that. Maybe even Stell might play a little bit of that on Monday morning. Get Gabe going a little bit. And Gabe's on, of course, with Mike and Mike Ferguson in the morning and Stell. And they're on from 5.30 to, to 9 every morning here on uh, News Talk SGL. How you doing, Gabe? Thanks for joining good me. Good
5: morning, Duck. Hey, good to be on with you. Yeah, I, I think... It's not quite Mike's speed, but uh, I do like
0: it. <laughs> I, I, I know it's not Mike's speed, but uh, I, I thought it might be your speed. I'm not sure. I think it definitely uh, I it might, is, yes. Be yeah, yeah. Me too. I, I dig it. Hey, so this was an interesting week, wasn't it, Gabe? I, I wanted to get your reaction to, uh, let, let's just put it all in a big basket and mix it up and see you know, your analysis. We had the debate with the, the wannabes. We had Trump uh, with that iconic mugshot on Thursday. Where do you think this campaign is now after the week that was compared to it last Saturday before the week that came?
5: Well, I've been seeing a, a number of uh, polls about reactions to the ba- to the debates and and people's stance on various candidates and things like that, and, and it continues to surprise me and, and frankly confuse me because uh, uh, you know some of the performances that I saw, I kind of evaluated what was going on. I I made up my mind about who was probably going to do the best and the worst in terms of gaining support, and I was I was like sixty percent correct, which was which is weird because I'm right all the time. <laughs> but um <laughs> but really it's 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 a, this is one of the weirdest campaign seasons ever in in American history as far as I concerned it, it, at the very least in living memory um yeah. the uh the the, the the interference and I do think um uh, President Trump is correct in calling this election interference the interference in the election um by all of these uh, uh know nothing prosecutors is is I think it's it's definitely having a massive impact because whenever something happens in the Trump saga it it just sucks all the air out of the room and so the, the debates kind of gave a very rare um opportunity in the, it, you know at least for a couple of days in the in the last portion of this, of this uh um primary season to give the other candidates an opportunity to breathe to be heard and to actually get their message out and the end of, to be known it was it was kind of Interesting in that regard. But then it immediately got sucked up by, by more Trump stuff with the money.
0: <laughs> you know, Gabe, I, I was talking with Elon Shrulovich earlier about how sometimes Republicans, you know, how it said, I think it can be said of most characteristics of, of the human being. Sometimes your best quality is also your Achilles heel. You know, it's a double edged sword. Right. So mm-hmm. Trump's best best quality is his forthrightness his just here i am man i'm shooting from the hip you got what you got and that's what gets the guy in trouble you know um and i and i think by the same token when it comes to the political season and conservatism and taking back the country and preserving it before we lose it all i keep reminding republicans and conservatives that look you may think Nikki Haley is a neocon. You may think Borgham is boring. You may think Asa Hutchinson is a milk toast. Any one of those candidates, and including Donald Trump, any one of them on their worst day is better than Biden, Harris, or Newsom on their very best day. And I, it's that lack of coalescence, and it's that sometimes um, rigid idealism with individual Republicans that I think gets us in trouble. We don't have that ability to coalesce and say, hey, 90% of Evex good. 80% of Pence is good. 75% of Haley's good. But gosh darn, can we realize that whoever it is, <laughs> they're better. That's what troubles me about it. It, it was great to see a, a, a unified consensus on 90% of the issues the other night. That's where I stood.
5: Oh yeah, I mean it's it's kind of funny. You're you're exactly right. First of all, that um, that this is one of the major Achilles heels of the Republican Party. Um, if if you've noticed, the way uh, politics works is um, the the left, they might have a little infighting, but when it comes time to uh, to, to do elections, to do policy, even uh, they usually get themselves in line. They they join lockstep, and we are the enemy. When uh, when Repo- Republicans, you know, get get any sort of power, it becomes a major infighting situation where one side of the faction is, is against the other side of the faction, and the winner <laughs> is usually Democrats. So you, you know, you you see that in our local or our, our uh, state legislature too. Um, yes. Um, yes. So, You're so. So right. Yes, and and but it was definitely a sort of um, it interesting. I, I, I it was an interesting exercise watching everybody speak during those debates. You know, a, across the spectrum, because there are some people there that I I figured I would I would never go for at least in a primary, right? And uh, and and they and they were they were saying things that I agree with, so I was just like, yeah, oh, yeah you yeah. know, he, he's kind of right there, and and it, it was just interesting because we spent so much time kind of wading through leftist dogma and 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 uh, gaslighting and propaganda, and and we're just railing against it so hard, and we have. These situations where maybe a Republican is a little squishy and they're, they're, they seem to be on the wrong side and we get really, really mad about it. But when it's just us on on the right, just kind of having a a, a, a confab of our own, you realize how much more we have in common than we have differences.
0: Yeah, you're so right. Uh, we're talking with Gabe Pfeiffer. Of course, he joins Mike Ferguson and uh, along with Stell on uh, weekdays here, 530 to 9 on News Talk STL. I'm going to play for you a CNN um host who was uh, had an Iowa panel, a panel of Iowa voters. They were young. They were older um, about who won the debate, Gabe. And this was this was interesting. Just play this. And I again, it's not a scientific poll. I, there were maybe a dozen, 14, 15. I, don't know, I didn't make a count. But listen to
6: this little clip. Who do you think won the debate? I'm going to do it in alphabetical order, to be fair. Anyone think Doug Burgum did the best? That's zero. Anyone think Chris Christie did the best? He certainly got most of the airtime. A lot of the airtime, not most of the airtime. How about Ron DeSantis? How many of you think Ron DeSantis did the best? That's two people. How about Nikki Haley? One, two, three, four people. Asa Hutchinson? Mike Pence? Zero. Vivek Ramaswamy? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Tim Scott? Okay, so this panel here thinks Ramaswamy won the debate. Tell me- Gabe yeah, Pfeiffer, well, who won um- the debate? <laughs> who,
0: who won the debate? Do you agree with Iowa voters in that panel or uh, do you disagree?
5: well uh, i guess the thing is it depends on what you mean by when right <laughs> it depends on what the definition <laughs> of is is uh but because part of part of the thing about the debates especially when we're talking about dealing um with with uh, voters at large i mean even though primary voters are a little different than general uh voters um it's, a lot of it has to do with how much airtime you get how much uh how much fight they see they see in you and, and whether or not you agree with you know most of what's being said, because you have so much time to get out there. And Ramaswamy had the actual uh, he had the perfect strategy for this particular debate, because one of the debate rules was if you get mentioned by one of the other um, uh, debaters, then you get a 30 second response. So here's the thing, one of his first statements was as one of the as the only not bought and paid for candidate up here, I can say, and he went on to say what he said. So so he pissed off everybody on on the panel, so every time they got a chance they would swipe at him and that would give him another 30 seconds. So he he actually I think uh, overall, I think he got the most airtime. So it it's easy to see how a certain, you know, group of people might say, "Well, he clearly won because he got to talk the most."
0: Mhm. So you know my you my want. thought about that moment, Gabe. It's interesting. Here here you go. We just got talking about don't let your uh, don't you let your idealism get in the way. of it. I've been a, a real uh, uh, water carrier for Vivek Ramaswamy. I think that he is. I, I think he's strategically positioning himself as Trump uh, the second, Trump two in case Trump flames out people start hearing things in televised trials that, you know, the polls are clear that independents will not vote in a general for Trump, you know, whatever it works out. And then Republicans start to think, oh, my God, this is ours to lose. And Trump is the only guy who can lose this. You know, I, I could see that mentality developing within a rational mm-hmm. GOP. Uh, yep. And I think he's he's that's what he's strategizing. But it troubled me. And if he ever asked me, I'd say, man, I, I see what you said, Gabe. Maybe it was a tactic that he had planned. but." Man, don't go, don't go throwing barbs at people. That's the one thing that I don't like about Donald Trump. Don't go throwing darts at people that you really don't need to throw, you know. And I thought it was an early cheap shot that he took, and he didn't need to because he went in with this golden opportunity to really be the standout guy, and I think he did do a great job. By the way, I don't think he needs to take cheap shots. If he'd have just started out with the ten truths and continued through his ten truths. And then ended with the ten truths like he did. I think he'd he'd have run, he'd have run away with it even more than apparently according to the polls he did on on Ron DeSantis. Does DeSantis need to throw away his contrived handlers and just be DeSantis if there is a real <laughs> DeSantis?
5: Well, the thing is, I'm wondering if that's just DeSantis. There, you know, there are some guys who are just, just kind of robotic in general. Like that's just their personality. I, i you know, <laughs> the more I see of him, even when in his, I guess, most relaxed moments, he just seems like a couple of guys I know in the engineering field. You know, so, sometimes we're not that big on personality. We, we got a lot are of. You
0: relaxed, are you saying? Are you saying? Okay, Gabe Pfeiffer I think Gabe Pfeiffer translation on some Pfeiffer uh, ease here I think I just heard Gabe Pfeiffer say that DeSantis is spectrum <laughs> my, you know what? My, my kids my kids call me spectrum sometimes and they, and they're saying hey DeSantis is just spectrum <laughs> what do you what do you think Gabe?
5: <laughs> you, you know what that that may that may actually be it. it's what honestly no seriously I mean, honestly one of the things that actually drew me to DeSantis in the first place was um, a, a an interview with a professor? Um, was he a professor or some sort of scientist who was giving him consultation on um, on uh, COVID early on? And this this guy he was he was a stand up guy, a stand up scientist. not one of these uh, paid, bought and paid for shills who uh, you know trying to make money for Big Pharma. Uh, and and he and he described his interactions with the scientists, as saying he's one of the few people. You know, in government, it's like I've never had a meeting like that where he actually listened and engaged on the data and he actually had mm-hmm. research in his hand that he had read and things like that. I'm like, wait a minute, this guy may actually be on that spectrum. But, but it's, it's one of the things that drew me to him because I, I want a president who actually, uh, you know, pays attention to data and doesn't get led around by the nose by people who call themselves experts. But, um, but yeah, so so yeah, I I think he may actually be on the spectrum. So then we're not going to really see uh, the sort of magnetic personality that you get no. in a uh, in a Donald Trump or even a Bill Clinton or or even a Barack Obama. Those those people ha- were kind of personality figures in in society at writ large, and that I think helped their 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 ability to to campaign. So I'm not sure this can give us much more than he gave us.
0: Yeah, I you know, and, and it's sad to me because again, I, and and again, I am a, an analytic person. I think like you, and if if I if I knew nothing about personalities, and if politics and leadership was only about um, uh, inspection of the of the data, policies, uh, and and getting things done on paper, I don't think there's and, and Donald Trump included. There is no better candidate than Ron DeSantis. I just don't know if oh, yeah. he can if, if win the hearts the director, of Americans. So. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Yes. So, and, I don't know. And we'll have to see was, where it goes.
5: That's one of the surprising things, too. I I, think, I thought he'd say more about his record in Florida, but he he didn't. He Maybe he didn't get the opportunity because uh, Rob Swamy was uh, sucking up all the air in the room.
0: He did have a great moment, though, DeSantis, when they asked, uh, when Barron and, and McCallum, I forget who asked everyone to raise their hand about, was it Global warming? Oh, yes. And he said, yes. and he said, like, what are you guys talking about? Kindergarten, Was his kindergarten? Although, his worst moment, and it was a, it was one of the worst visual moments, and I think it's going to hurt him in a big way, was when he looked around to see what other people did when it was, uh, it was about January 6th, or, you know, would you support Trump? And it's like, oh, my God, he looked around, and then when he saw that others had raised their hand, he he raised his, and I thought, oh, man, come on. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Oh, wow.
5: Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. That, that take a a <laughs> yeah, take That's a look at it.
0: Yeah. Take a look at it. Hey, well, uh, we uh, we thank you uh, for being with us, Gabe, uh, and uh, love listening to you every morning. Man, I love your insight into things, and it's a real, I don't think this audience understands what a privilege it is to have a real rocket scientist <laughs> on the air every day. That's great. Hey, thanks, Gabe.
5: <laughs> thanks, guys. God bless.
0: All right, take care. Gabe Pfeiffer, um, you hear him every morning, along with, uh, of course, Mike on Mike Ferguson in the morning, and uh, Estelle, great, great trio. uh, And I mean, it's great uh, insight into the goings-on of the day. When we come back, we're going to talk with... um uh, 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 an expert and a specialist in the area of pharmaceutical benefits. She's an ex-Congresswoman. Her name's uh, Anne Marie Berkeley. Why? Because uh, there's a health care bill that Schumer and friends are saying is good for you with your pharmacy benefits, but there may be more to the story. We'll talk about that when we come back on The Tober Show. Stay there. You
4: keep showing up, so do. Ain't no
0: oh, that's nice of Tony and katie to give me a nice uh attaboy we appreciate that so much great listening to that show i tell you i love when i get to interact with them now and then i'm looking forward to talking with former congresswoman ann marie berkeley who's uh is it burkle or berkeley it's burkle good morning
3: how are you
0: dr Tobler? hey good morning hey thanks for being with me there's a health care bill that is uh as the democrats will do uh telling us that it's so good for us. They're looking out for us, but I'm understanding that there may be something uh, that's not so ringing true about that. Tell us about it.
3: Yes, for sure. Um, So when we, when Congress comes back in the fall uh, after Labor Day, after their six week recess uh, in the Senate, they're about to take up a Senate bill, which is a whole host of smaller, health-related bills, and many of them are intended to cut the cost of drugs for the American people. However, uh, you know, they're promising to lower the drug cost, but uh, actually they're working on legislation that was written by big pharma lobbyists and which will actually increase the cost of drugs and keep drug prices high. So let me just, for your listeners, Bernie Sanders is the chairman of the Senate Health Committee. That's the committee that determines healthcare policy for for the Senate and all the legislation that comes out of there. So we know that Bernie Sanders wants to get to single payer healthcare in this country. He's he's unashamed of saying that. So everything he does is gonna be towards that end. And that's my concern because we've got good Republicans who are supporting the legislation he's pushing. And I, I just, I implore my colleagues to please look and see what this legislation will do uh, and how it will increase the cost of drugs.
0: Well how is that that they can say one thing when the legislation will do the other thing? I imagine it'll probably mean a little discussion here of getting into the weeds. I mean you're a former member of the Consumer Product Safety Commission and so what is it that's the you know the the smoke and mirrors going on here?
3: So what they're about to do is attack and to weaken an entity called PBM, which is the Pharmacy Benefit Manager. So if you participate in a healthcare plan, your healthcare plan hires a PBM to negotiate the drug prices for your plan with Big Pharma. So Pharma doesn't like this entity, this PBM, because They negotiate, they have numbers on their side so they can get the the cost of the drug down for the healthcare plan. And so um, pharma doesn't like them. So they've actually had a whole campaign saying that PBMs increase the cost of drugs and pharmacy. And in fact, we know PBMs reduce about $1,000 a year per American they save uh, on drug costs. So PBMs have good value. But Big Pharma doesn't like them because in the entire drug supply chain, the only, the only entity that's interested in lowering the cost of drug and actually has financial incentives is that PBM. So pharmacy, Big Pharma that's wants to get them. Yeah, yeah. It is okay. very interesting well, I, because nobody even knows about PBMs or hears about PBMs.
0: Well, this is interesting because, I mean, hmm. This is very interesting, because I've been in the healthcare game. I've talked with people that know about these things in think tanks and others, and uh, even running a small rural safety net hospital. I It's my understanding that the PBMs actually are cloaking a lot of rebate money, for instance, that they get by um, channeling purchases to one or another company, which then buys their allegiance by doing rebates. But those rebates aren't this is one example of where allegedly the PBMs do not serve the public. And I'm just asking you for your input that those rebates aren't passed on to the employer or the, or the, or the patient rather they're caught up in PBM profits. And that if we took those PBM middlemen out, uh, or at least reformed that system and made it more transparent, there's a big black box in the PBM space, as I understand it. And there's an awful lot of tomfoolery that goes on, and kickbacks and so-called rebates, they're kickbacks, that don't get passed on. So, Which is true, because I hear you, I hear the other side, which is true? Well,
3: I, of course, I'm going to say that uh, the rebate system was set up by Congress, so if there's chicanery and all kinds of uh, things going on, you can blame Congress in the way they set it up. However, mm-hmm. the PBMs, not only do they negotiate that lower drug cost, But they also look at, uh, they affect health outcomes because they make sure that the person, the patient is taking that prescription, that they've picked up the prescription, that they renewed the prescription. They look to see if there's a lower-priced drug that uh, will do the same work as that uh, name-brand drug. The PBMs have Mm -hmm. other functions. And the entire narrative has been driven by Big Pharma because they have an interest against pbms and so ah. that's where i would mm-hmm. that's where i would caution everyone we saw what happened during covid when pharma and government teamed up and um that this is more of that so again i i would think in missouri you go you've got josh hawley and eric schmidt schmidt two excellent senators but i would encourage your listeners call them and tell them vote no against any healthcare. Proposal that Bernie Sanders puts forward because it's not going to be in the best interest of the free market. It is going to be more government involvement in healthcare, and that's yeah. that's the concern. You know, it, it's these are not the answers to healthcare. You know, the FDA should get modernized. You know, more free market, more competition, not uh, less. And that's what Bernie Sanders is proposing.
0: Well, Congresswoman, I, I have to tell you, as a former, nur- well, as a nurse and uh, former Congresswoman, you certainly know about how the sausage is made. But I wonder if you join me and I've, I've gotten off the treadmill. I mean, I, you know, I've been in the, you know, what I call the medical industrial complex for way too long. Uh, leadership role, practicing, and I finally decided it's immoral to be a part of it. It's immoral to be a part of it. And I think if doctors, nurses, everyone, hospital administrators finally said, you know what? We're not going to do this anymore. We're not accepting Medicare. We're not accepting Medicaid. Give people a block grant. Give Medicare recipients a block grant. Medicaid recipients a block grant. Take PBMs out of the mix. Take insurance companies that pay first penny for every birth control pill and every little cough and cold visit and go to a direct Consumer, meaning patient, to provider of care. <laughs> and and don't you think that we need to re-engineer this whole system instead of people depending on PBMs and United Healthcare and Anthem and Medicaid and Medicare with all their bureaucracies and all the money, that, the oxygen and the money that's sucked out of the system that doesn't go to the provision of care? Don't you think we'd be in a better place? I mean, that's the reason I advocate a direct primary care model for all Americans. And, and and a catastrophic backup policy, whether it's a health care sharing plan or whether it's traditional major medical insurance. Why aren't we looking at that? We wouldn't even be having these discussions if there was transparency and the free market was allowed to rule. What say you?
3: I I, I agree with you in that this health care system really does need to be completely rebuilt. Um, we've gone down the path, and the Affordable Care Act was just a big part of it where cost doubles, government got more involved in healthcare decisions and the outcomes aren't good. And so I do think, um, you know, I worked for a large teaching hospital here in upstate New York for about 13 years. And I was on the finance side of things. You can see the lack of transparency uh, with regards to billing and hospital bills. So it does need to be overhauled. The problem is is when Bernie Sanders is leading the charge, It's not going to be good. It's only going to get worse. And that's the concern with a Republican supporting Bernie Sanders and Bernie Sanders agenda and Chuck Schumer's agenda. And that if the Republicans would just pause and come out with their own agenda for health care, I think we would be in a much better place.
0: Well, you're so you're so right on that. And I think, gosh, as much as uh, as much as we enjoyed the prosperity and the. Well, the tighter borders under Donald Trump, and the the strong foreign policy, and other things that I think most conservatives agree on. The one thing he really blew it on was when he ticked off John McCain, and McCain gave that thumbs down. <laughs> we had a chance. We had a chance to put a pause and a hold and really reconsider this whole Obamacare thing. You were talking about it. I've seen it in real action. I know you have in in, in you know living color, where Obamacare not only Cost people more, even though Obama said it was going to save people and families more uh, money, but it it limited choices too. And it resulted in rationing and it was just, oh my gosh, it was such a, such a travesty. And uh, it's just, it's sad to see that's the way things going. And so we have to watch. I, I You're right. I think, um, when, when government types, whether they're Republican or Democrats, think that they can just do... When Republicans think that they can do big government better, sounds like that's what's going on with this uh, initiative. That doesn't always work out very well, does
6: it?
3: No, that's absolutely right. The Republicans need to establish their own health care agenda, and they need to stand firm, and it needs to be free market. We both know what happens when government gets involved. They put their thumb on the scale, and it's more expensive, and it's less effective, and... And that's what's what's happening here. So I really, I would implore your listeners, call up your senators' offices and tell them, don't support anything Bernie Sanders is putting forth uh, with regards to healthcare. It's not gonna lower the cost of healthcare. And the Republicans need to really sit down and come up with a healthcare agenda. I mean, you didn't hear it mentioned in the debate the other night, no one talked about healthcare, despite the fact no. that the American people, and particularly seniors, are so concerned about the cost of, and the access uh, to health care and to drugs.
0: Oh, it's ridiculous. And, and, you know, I mean, you talk about, we talk about general inflation, the general CPI, medical CPI is going to go crazy this year. There was a little pause during COVID because of the money manufactured in DC and that we'll have to borrow from China for again, eventually, I guess, I don't know. But, uh, I mean, I've heard that uh, group rates are going up 9%, 10 11% now again. this That's what it was on a pace before COVID, you know. Um, and I nope. i just, I, I see Armageddon coming for health care costs and no one's talking about it.
3: You no, know, and you're absolutely right. When you've got seniors on a fixed income and the cost of their gasoline has gone up, their electricity, their food, and now their health care, their premiums, and or their the cost of their drugs. You're going, it's, it's a dire situation. Republicans need to get serious about it. And, yep. you know, not yep. just to punt on this, not to follow Bernie Sanders' instruction. We're about rather to come up with free market solutions and some transparency. Address, you know, one of the things that we're seeing these days, and you can relate to this, is I trained as a nurse in a, in a teaching hospital about 400 beds. St. Joseph's Hospital. Now St. Joseph's is part of an 80 hospital healthcare system, Trinity Health. So you've lost not only the local feel to it, but you've also got into this dishonest billing where you've got hospitals billing for doctor's visits, but using the hospital insurance rate. You've got all kinds of waste, fraud, and abuse. So the Republicans need to take
0: a look at Mm -hmm. that stuff. Because that's the only way you're going to bring down the cost of healthcare yeah. is really by the same token. How- yeah, by the same token, I can I look at it from uh, I was administering and practicing at a hospital until uh, last year, and I can tell you I have sympathy for people trying to run a hospital with the inordinate, mandatory, makes no difference in patient care inspection, white glove at the basement of the boiler room. Oh my God, there's dust in the basement of the boiler room. We now need to write a a compliance improvement plan and get consultants involved. Thank you, CMS. The expenses of running a hospital are inordinate. They're irrational in terms of what are alleged patient safety things. And so, I I mean, somewhere someone's got to pay for that of availability of care 24 seven. Oh, by the way, emergency rooms that can't turn anyone away when someone comes in and says, "Um, I think I'm pregnant and I don't want to pay for a pregnancy test or I don't want to pay my $2 copay at Medicaid. That happened at the rural health clinic we ran. They didn't want to pay a $2 copay. But so, okay, well, I'll just go to the emergency room with my sniffle. You know, and I I have sympathy for hospital administrators. How are they going to pay the bills when the regulations drive you crazy? Run up costs. Uh, you have you have insurance companies that regularly, it's been established, regularly deny clean claims that a hospital submits just to test and just to, to, to dare you to, to make sure that you, you know, to, to let it uh, that you won't write it off. There is so much corruption in this industry and it starts the head of the snake, anne marie the head of the snake is the federal government. They've endorsed it, they've enforced it, and I think it's time that the healthcare industry as a whole, administrators, nurses, doctors, march lockstep in a 50 million man and woman march to the Capitol and say, Enough. We're taking over the healthcare system on behalf of our patients, not you guys anymore. But I guess I'm a dreamer, aren't I?
3: <laughs> well, and, and all of the problems you mentioned are because of the interference of the federal government. I mean, that's everything you've mentioned, CMS. The regulations and the ever changing regulations, and they're always changing. It's hard for a hospital or
0: administrator to keep up with them. And all of those- Or a private doctor's office. I mean, anyone. You can't do it. Well, I mean, look at uh, the Affordable Care Act, just
3: the electronic medical records. How many physicians left for their practices because of the cost of, of putting in a, a electronic medical records? And, you know, you, you wonder, does it really improve? Uh, The cost, the quality of health care, you know, we'll never know because no one ever follows up on anything. The government never reverses course. That's the problem of federal government.
0: And, you know, you you mentioned the large consolidation. and The studies are pretty clear when uh, here in Missouri, there's a proposed consolidation between BJC on the east side of the state and St. Luke's on the west side of the state. Uh, and the studies are clear, even though they give lip service to, oh, we're going to have more efficiency. Patient care will be better. Costs will go down. The studies I've seen that in the wake of consolidation, the opposite holds true. The opposite holds true. Access is lower. Costs go up. And patient quality of care actually goes down because of what you said. People are so attendant now to another layer of big from the top down rules. The nurse has to do this on every patient, every hour, every hour. March this way. Well, man, every patient doesn't need that every hour. You know, they're not allowed to think. I think you know it's clear. Consolidation is not good for people. But I don't know. It keeps on going on. The government isn't enforcing antitrust rules when it comes to that either, are they? You
3: no, know, you're absolutely right. And just to your point, when a hospital consolidates, if you're a single hospital and you have to negotiate the price of a price of a, a CT scan or any kind of procedure, you don't have the leverage. That eighty hospitals have, and so they can, you know, they can get the price down low and um, negotiate prices or high prices, and because they've got the leverage, and they can do that, and so that also drives up prices. uh, When you're talking about the studies, I believe those studies that consolidation does drive up the cost of healthcare because these hospitals can negotiate much higher reimbursements uh, than they could in single single units.
0: Yeah. Hey, well, this has been a great, great talk. Hope we can get together again, Congressman, former former Congresswoman Anne Marie Berkeley. Appreciate it. Thanks for being with me.
3: I would, I would very much like that. Thanks so much. Have a great day.
0: You too. All right. Well, we've just got a little time left, and in, uh, Leah's going to offer a monologue on her take on the upcoming election cycle, right? Leah, is that what you're going to do? On, no? Um, no,
1: I don't think no. so. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, sorry. We won't do that. All right. When we come back, I'm going to invite your phone calls. What do you think of the uh, conversation we've had this morning regarding the debate? Regarding, does it matter? Has Donald Trump, with that iconic picture, absolutely cemented his nomination and actually gained the hearts of people that maybe weren't sympathetic before? That's a possibility. Let me know. It's one zero one nine ninety four one Newstalk STL. The Tobler Show. We'll wrap it up in a few welcome back to the program your thoughts about where we are in this election season 2024 and yeah we're just a a few months away from It'll it'll be happening. I mean, the primary of the, the Iowa caucus will be here before you know it. And one of the trials is scheduled to happen after the uh, well, during the Iowa caucus season. So it's going to be very, very interesting to see where we go. The memes are legion about uh, the Donald Trump mugshot. It, it is a thing to behold, and it stirs up a lot of emotion in people. Gene's on the line. Let's talk to Gene. Gene, the dancing machine. How you doing, brother? Hey, good, doctor. Thanks for taking my call, Randy. Uh, you just spurned another comment,
7: my goodness. On the uh, healthcare thing, just kind of quickly, one of the doctors that I worked with uh, has, he was a practicing doctor in India, has moved over here, et cetera, et cetera. Short of long, um, he was saying regarding some testing, specifically in this instance, uh, cardiopulmonary exercise testing, which I imagine from a billable standpoint is not cheap, that if the doctors took time to look through the patient's chart at their past tests and everything, in his opinion for this particular type of test, they could get a lot of the information and have the same result as far as understanding what's going on with the patient by their previous tests, as opposed to putting them through that CPET that I just mentioned.
0: But, but uh, so there's a lot uh, of there's a lot of inefficiency in the system. And, you know, everyone talks about the electronic medical record now. Well, those who are selling it and those who knew nothing about really that it was not ready for prime time and who endorsed it. And I can tell you, you've seen the records. I've seen the records. You ask for records and you typically get these cloned built one upon another clone record that have four or five pages of boilerplate. The real meat is maybe three or four lines at the last page, but you've got, you know, 20 visits like that that get dumped in your inbox, and you're like, I'm supposed to look at all this and process this. It's a joke. We used to have charts that had tabs in them radiology, lab. You know, chronology notes. It was just one note written after another. It, It was clear. It was easy. And, you know, there's nothing like that out there that I know of that is that clear and simple to efficiently look at the patient's chart and walk into the room and say, hey, I see that you know last you had your last bone density study three years ago. It's time for one now. Now it's like, when did you have that bone? De-? Well, I'm not sure, doctor. And then the doctor has to spend 20 minutes waiting through the electronic medical record. If I'm wrong right. folks out there, you tell me. I mean, am I wrong or am I right, Gene? Oh,
7: no, that's right. It's absolutely crazy that KISS principle, keep it simple stupid, is yep. non-existent. It's more like the more complicated we can make it, the better. And unfortunately, and there again, this is the opinion from other doctors that I'm mentioning. I'm not a doctor. That a lot of the our residents and things that are going through school are getting too used to uh, go down the tree, check box medicine, as opposed to using their analytical skills that they should be learning in, medicine, in uh, school.
0: I see it all the time. I see it all the time. And, uh, you know, the problem is, what are we creating? A system where we treat people like they're, you know, auto body, uh, you know, dent repair. You know, I I don't know. It's just there's no Um, there's no global thinking that goes into a holistic approach to the patient where you say, you know, hey, here's this basket of issues that we've identified. What is most important to you? Where are the threats? Where are the risks? Where are the opportunities? What would you like to do dear patient? Those kind of discussions don't happen because everyone has about seven minutes with the patient so they can then go to their computer right. and make sure that the billing is right. Got to make sure the billing is right because that is billing is the king. Got to get that oh, codes God. right. Yeah. Got to get the codes right. Oh, it's crazy, another, man! one, know everyone knows it, but they keep putting up with it because they're they're employed and they want to keep their paycheck coming. I don't blame them. It's, it, I don't know. It's it's insanity. Which I'm yeah, I'm not that, a part of it anymore. I don't I don't participate.
7: Hey, on on that note too, if I could ask you two questions on direct primary care, i had been interested in that for yep. many many years for myself. Yep. Um, When I was researching that out all that time ago, I understood that one of the things that Congress screwed up when they decided to let direct primary care come into existence was from a taxing standpoint that they did not recognize the monies that would be paid for your monthly membership fee or whatever you want to call it uh, to be deducted for medical expenses. Has that gotten straightened out?
0: No, that's because no, that's because United Healthcare, Anthem. Uh, I don't want to be, be selective here. The sure. big insurers keep they keep telling Congress people, and if you're a Congress person on there, shame if you're if you're buying that hook, line, and sinker. Bigger shame on you if you're beholden to them because you're bought and paid for by their generous campaign donations. There, I said it. Um, but they don't. They they say, well, it's not qualified insurance, and we can't. No, we don't sell direct primary. care. It is not insurance. It's not insurance. That's right. I can tell you the. Okay, and so because it doesn't qualify as insurance, as Congress people and the IRS define it, it's not deductible by your employer. I mean, gotcha. hey, here's I'll go you one better as an interim step. How come someone who's self-employed, or the prime member, the 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 sole member of an LLC can't deduct their health care insurance what the heck's that all about it, this is all right. it's, it's so screwed up right you can't do it so there are bills out there that are that are out there intended to allow direct primary care to be deductible. For in employers, and if it, I've seen the numbers and I've known people that have done it, I know insurance brokers who have converted their traditional insurance brokerage company, healthcare insurance brokerage company, to a model where their employees and themselves have a direct primary care contract with the patient, uh, with a with doc. And 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 they use a wraparound healthcare sharing plan, but you can't deduct that if you to Medishare or to uh, Christian Healthcare Sharing or to Sidera or Zion. Oh no no no, that doesn't qualify as healthcare because it's not United Healthcare. It doesn't. They don't jump through all the hoops. It is so corrupt, brother. I can't even begin to tell you. Sorry, I got oh, on a rant there, Gene.
7: Oh no, that's 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 perfectly fine, and thanks for letting me blather on here. Um, That brings up another thing. I had looked at, if I can say the company, one of the healthcare sharing things, Christian-based things. And the problem that I found investigating that while I was out of work was that when people would go to the ER or the doctor, it's like, oh, well. There's no guarantor on this bill, and we're not recognizing that because they're not saying that they're going to pay for it. It's, well, we'll think about it and pay you later.
0: Yep. So what you have to do is you just go in as a cash pay patient. And look, there's not 100 percent satisfaction with these healthcare sharing plans. But on average, and especially with a few of them, they have many fewer complaints than the big insurers Mm -hmm. do on average, on average. Hey, I got to run, Gene. Uh, Thanks for the call, man. We'll continue the conversation. Okay, brother, that'll wrap it up for today. Thank you all for being with me. We'll see you next week on The Randy Tobler Show. Have a good one.